here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only. Plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome back, everybody, to Wrestling Omakase. This is episode three, and as promised, we have not one but two guests today. We have Drew from Burning Spirits, and we have Dylan Justin from VoiceToWrestling.com. Um, Drew, Dylan, how are you guys doing today? Doing okay. Thanks for doing having me, well. John. I'm excited. Yeah, I, I, uh, it's been a while since I've talked to you, and it's been a long time since I've talked to Dylan uh, on a podcast, so this should be fun. Um, so usually we, we, we have a lot to cover today, but usually we do like to start off by saying, um, you know, where each guest got their back start in wrestling, especially with today's subject being Japanese wrestling, where you got your start with Japanese wrestling. So why don't we start with you, Dylan? Where did you get your start with Japanese wrestling? Um, well, first of all, I started watching wrestling in around 2004, and I watched it until... Uh, I was a teenager, and then I fell out of it for a little bit. And then once I got, once I got back into it, um, I I, I kind of didn't want to follow WWE, but I wanted to follow. I, I just I wanted to follow something else. So I started watching Ring of Honor, of course, and then that led to me following other indies such as PWG. And then from there, I got into I found New Japan, and the first show I watched was uh, King of Pro Wrestling. I want to say 2013 with Tanahashi versus Okada, and 
then from there, within a few months, I, I found Noah, I found Old Japan, I found uh, Dragon Gate after that, um, and then it was from there. Yeah, so I feel like that's a pretty typical story with New Japan. Well, first of all, like, indies and Ring of Modern stuff can be a gateway to New Japan, and then New Japan can be a gateway to other Japanese wrestling, which is part of why I came up with the idea for this episode, which is the, the Japanese wrestling crash course, because we're going to introduce people who may have only been exposed to New Japan to the many other promotions in Japanese wrestling. Um, Drew, of course, you're one of the hosts of Burning Spirits, the mm-hmm. Voice of Wrestling podcast on everything but New Japan, mm-hmm. which makes you a perfect candidate for this episode. Dylan, I asked to do this episode because he does uh, the This Month in Puro column every month on VoiceofWrestling.com, which is an excellent way to get caught up, by the way, if you're, um, if you're behind and you want to know what's worth watching. But... Um, Oh, it's Dylan. Dylan, sorry. Um, Drew, (laughs) Drew, uh, what? Where? How did you get started? I guess with Japanese wrestling. Okay. Well, uh, I initially got into wrestling uh, through my great grandmother in uh, very late 1989. Uh, I was visiting her. She's from, uh, or she was from Mississippi, and she was watching WCW, or uh, it was NWA at the time. And I remember distinctly, uh, she was a, a diehard wrestling fan, um, as a lot of old Southern ladies are. So uh, I remember distinctly seeing a Doom uh, squash match on TV. And this was when Doom had the masks still. So, you know, that that really caught my eye, like these two gigantic ripped guys wearing masks, you know, just <laughs> beating up on whatever jobbers were in the ring. Um, what was it? It was Ron Simmons and Butch Reed, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So, like, they, they took the only two black guys in the company and then were, like, basically, I think it was, like, those two and, like, what, Ranger Ross or something? Well, like, So two of the only three black guys in the company mm-hmm. and then put them under masks as a mass tag team and it was like, whoa, what a mystery. Who right. this be? Yeah, but... yeah. And so, and, and they, they had a, a very, very uh, hilarious unmasking uh angle too really early in 1990 where it was like the most obvious thing in the world you know but (laughs) um yeah but anyway so so you know from there i uh, was essentially a diehard uh, nwa wcw fan uh, until they closed the doors in 2001 um and you know through that i was able to see you know liger stood out to me i mean big time as a child you know when you first see liger um it's it's a pretty striking uh, thing that you're seeing, you know. I mean, just his look. Uh, but uh, beyond that, you know, just seeing him in the ring flying around. I mean, I remember seeing uh, him versus Brian Pillman at Super Bowl two for the first time, which is you know pretty crazy. But uh, anyways, uh, so you know, from there I was exposed to. I mean, I guess Kurosawa or Nak- Nakanishi, but uh, you know, it's Kurosawa in New Japan and. Um, or he was Kurosawa in WCW, excuse me. And, you know, Yuji Nagata and, um, and Shinjiro Otani, guys like that. But anyways, so, uh, you know, I was a diehard uh, WCW fan until 2001. Um, and when they stopped, um, I stopped being a wrestling fan for a few years. So I, <laughs> I felt kind of betrayed um, by WWF and uh, just gave up watching at that point. And then in... It was 2007 or 2008. I was talking to a friend of mine um, about because I had started rewatching the Attitude Era um, WWF stuff that I had missed, 
and I was talking to a friend about uh, JBL's character at the time as Blackshaw, uh, what is it, Blackjack uh, Bradshaw, and about how cool I thought that was, and a guy said, a friend I was talking to said, yeah, you know, he's just uh, ripping off Stan Hansen, and I said, whoa, who's, who's Stan Hansen? Um, and so I ended up, you know, finding out who Stan Hansen was, and I remember the first uh, Puro match I ever watched was Stan Hansen versus uh, Toshiaki Kawada for uh, the 228-93 match, the one where Stan Hansen does a, a tope through the bottom rope, and then um, he does a lariat so hard on Kawada that he flies out of the ring, that uh, Stan Hansen flies out of the ring. And, uh, you know, from there I started watching all the old Japan, the old All Japan stuff, all the 90s stuff, um, starting in, I think, 2012. It was, uh, that's when I got into New Japan. It was, um, what number, what, what number Wrestle Kingdom was it? Six. That was, that was Suzuki versus Tanahashi, right? right? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so so that's when, you know, I had heard of Minoru Suzuki because I was a big uh, fan of MMA. I watched, like, Pancrase tapes from the um, the video store and uh, Pride tapes and stuff. So I had heard of Minoru Suzuki, and, um, you know, I thought, oh, man, I'll check him out in uh, this Japanese wrestling thing because I was uh, kind of looking for other stuff to watch at that point. And, yeah, so, I mean, from there, it's, it's a pretty similar story, I guess. Um, Got into New Japan 2012, right at the start of the Okada era, I guess. And uh, yeah, then from there, a couple years after, uh, like 2013, 2014, that's when I really got into uh, All Japan, Big Japan, Dragon Gate, and um, what's the other one? DDT, of course, DDT. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So I talked a little bit about my background with Puro on the first episode, but in case people didn't listen, I actually came in as, first of all, a Toriumon fan and a Noah fan in the early 2000s. So that's my background. Mm-hmm. I, unlike a lot of other people, I didn't have New Japan as a gateway drug. I wasn't really into New Japan, what they were doing at the time. It was very, um, you know, in, in hindsight, I like some of it better than the reputation. But at the time, it, 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 the, the internet in general, it was a very anti- New Japan place at the time if you were watching like I just remember like um, the, the few English speaking New Japan hardcores were like you know uh, Stewart who ran Strong South Spirit and a few other websites like that and like people kind of made fun of them and as being like really into the New Japan at the time but it was it was much more of a pro Noah um, internet at the time but so that's the, that's the environment I grew up with, and then, you know, I kind of watched as everybody kind of gravitated toward New Japan again. In like, I'd say that it started occurring probably like 2011, even when New Japan really started picking up steam with the internet wrestling fans, and then obviously that more more and more as you get go along the next few years into the Okada era and stuff. But um, a lot of people now watch a lot of other stuff too, and that's what we're here to help you with. If you're a listener and you only watch New Japan, or you've only watched a couple other promotions, or you don't know where to start, we're going to give you the crash course in Japanese wrestling other than New Japan. So we're going to talk about a, lo- a bunch of different promotions today. We're going to tell you when they were founded, talk about their history. Um, in some promotions, they have a lot of history. In some, they only have a little bit that we have to go over. Then we're going to talk about their current champions, um, what we think of their current roster, and maybe some a big upcoming show or two that you can look at and try to get into it with. And, of course, like how you can watch it and stuff. 
Um, all right, so let's get started with All Japan Pro Wrestling. It was founded in October 1972. Um, all, it goes all the way back to the Japan Wrestling Alliance, really the original Japanese wrestling promotion, which was the promotion of Ricky Dozen. Um, so after Ricky Dozen was no longer around, we have the the very, rather infamous JWA split, where they basically had two big stars at the time, Antonio Inoki and Giant Baba, and Inoki left to form New Japan, and Baba left to form All Japan only a few months later. So the JWA suddenly had no no top star at all, had no Ricky, Ricky Dozen, had no Giant Baba, had no Inoki, and they were defunct within within a year, despite having going back all the way I believe to like the mid fifties. But so that's the All Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, the founding. What I always found really weird is, it, unless I'm incorrect, wasn't Baba the bigger star of the two when they Who, both Anoki? jumped? Between him and Anoki? Oh, that's a good question. So, let's I, see. But between, between it, Baba and between, Anoki? Yeah, I always read it... What, what I always... I mean, obviously, I, was, I, did, I haven't seen any of this, but I what I always read was that Baba was the bigger star and Anoki was his partner, but yet New Japan seemed like they were more popular than all Japan pretty much out of the gate. Mm-hmm. So well, Inoki also that, had the, yeah, the so Muhammad Ali thing. I don't remember the timelines, but I remember watching some old, some very old tapes of Baba, and yeah, he really, he got the better crowd reactions, I think. But once Inoki really blew up with the whole Ali thing and all that, uh, that's kind of when that's that switch occurred. Mm-hmm. I think, at least. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's, I I that's what I was gonna say is without knowing the history for sure i've i've seen some of the like the 60s matches uh with baba and with Inoki, and baba always appears to be the bigger star uh but you know that that's uh that's only just my my appearance from seeing some of the matches so right so but either way so the the Inoki led new japan kind of passed up the baba led all japan pretty quickly but All Japan still was Japan's only NWA member, so had a lot of access to top foreign stars at the time. Um, like both the both the Funks wrestled a lot there in the seventies, and Dory Funk Jr. of course still wrestles in All Japan to this day. Mm-hmm. Like he was just he was just in a match what like a few months ago, right? Mm-hmm. I think it was his last one. So like he's he's still around. Yeah, during the Champion Carnival, he was yeah. uh, on the tour. Yeah, he's kind of he's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, still still a great wrestler too. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so that was kind of like all, what all Japan was known for. It's you know they, this throughout the '70s into the '80s. They have they have a lot of the foreign stars, um, not the WWF guys because New Japan had the WWF guys, but a lot of the NWA guys. And as we ed- in, we head into 19, the 1990s, and we have the first of three exoduses of all Japan talent. They lost talent three times, a lot of talent. And the first time was April 1990, when Genuchio Tenru and a bunch of other veterans, uh, the great Kabuki, uh, Maso Oihara, Yoshiaki Yatsu, a few other guys, they leave to form the new Super World of Sport promotion. It was financed by an eyeglass company, of all things, uh, Magani Super. So the motto of Super World of Sports was straight and strong. Mm-hmm. So like and, Char- and and if if you've ever seen any of the promo uh, videos for that, they are pretty incredible. Um, they they really hammer home the straight and strong <laughs> motto pretty good. <laughs> I mean, just imagine that today, even with like the the Japanese to English thing. Just imagine like Twitter's reaction. 
Oh yeah, no, that, that would that would not go over well these days. But um, I'm so I'm actually watching one of the promos, the SWS promos right now, and it's uh, so it's close-up shots, kind of zoom-in shots of uh, Tenru and the other guys, and it cuts to to flashes of words. It says power, super energy, and then <laughs> straight and strong with all of them standing there. So it's quite striking. The, the the ironic thing is, you know, people when you you hear like, okay, Tendru was an enormous star. Like I cannot uh, stress that enough. That was a big deal that he went there. Mm-hmm. But the the thing the thing that I I think really ended up sinking them pretty quick, other than the fact that uh, the biggest factor is the Japanese economy crashed in the '90s and really stalled out, and that resulted in Megani Super not wanting to spend the money on it anymore. But they might have been willing to keep it going anyway if it had been doing well, and it, it really wasn't doing well, and. It got a reputation in the in the Japanese papers at the time as quote unquote money puresu. Like in other words, this is this is where the sellouts are, this is where, you know, the phonies are. Mm-hmm. And even their they had, they made a big deal with the WWF and had a lot of WWF talent on on the shows later on, but like it really didn't work at all and they really didn't draw. So, you know, the the promotion crashed and burned within I believe three years and that led to the the next promotion of, of most of these guys of Tenryu and a bunch of them, which is Wrestle and Romance War, which kind of became like an indie promotion. But um, that had a little bit of a longer run. But this is a war podcast. It's all it's a podcast about promotions that are still around. So <laughs> um, the big thing, the big effect it had on all Japan was it ended up clearing out the upper cards, and that led to like. Big pushes from Misawa and Kawada and Tawe and Kobashi. So that led to the 90s boom for all Japan, where they were drawing these sellouts at Budokan Hall in Tokyo, you know, 18,000 people every month or every other month. Um, it was an incredible time for all Japan. So that exodus, in a lot of ways, ended up being a positive, mm-hmm. I think you could say. Yes. But that was the first exodus, and it led to their, their 90s boom period. Um, I assume you guys have seen some '90s All Japan, right? You have fond memories. Uh, fond memories, indeed. Yeah, that's. Uh, I I always try to kind of constantly among like my other wrestling projects. I always try to constantly um, be rewatching uh, '90s All Japan stuff because there's just there's just so much there and it's, it's just so kind of can, so deep. You can go um, back and so much rewatch it a million times. And there, it, so. it never really gets old. It's it's in my opinion the what's the word I'm looking for. It's a promotion you can go back at any time period and and just watch and appreciate the same you would in real time. I would say. Yeah, it mm-hmm. holds. It holds up remarkably well, um, as far as. Like I, I I played it at an at a one of my panels at Anime Con a few years ago. I played the one of the really famous uh, Masawa and Kobashi versus Kobashi and Taui or versus Kawada and Taui tags, and like that. First of all, they they got the biggest reaction of the entire panel, mm-hmm. and it it just it, it looks like it's a match from like 1993, and it looks like it could be taking place today. Like the action was that intense, and like and that crazy. It was just it, it's amazing stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you don't, if you haven't watched Nineties All Japan, everybody definitely do that. Yeah, and it's it's, <laughs> it's so they didn't breaking breaking ground here. I know, but it, maybe people don't know. I don't know. Yeah, but it, it's it's so rewarding to start, uh, you know, start watching. I mean, in '89 or maybe even '90, you know, you start with maybe uh, Masawa being unmasked, you know, uh, 
Tiger Mask 2 being unmasked as Masawa, but it's it's like it's so nostalgic and it's so rewarding to start at that point and just go through this epic, just emotional roller coaster of events and wrestling matches over the next decade. You know, it's like it's just something that and everyone's theme music and everything, of course, like Spartan X. Oh like, yeah, the, the theme songs from this period was so fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> it's just it, it gives you the such and I mean. 90s All Japan isn't even my favorite wrestling of all time, but it's just, it gives you such a specific, just nostalgic, wonderful feeling, like, just about what pro wrestling is and what it can be, you know? So, then that leads well into the second exodus, which was June 16th, 2000, which was Misawa leading every native wrestler except Kawada and Masafuchi to form Pro Wrestling Noah. Um, this was, this was far... This was far less of a positive than the first Exodus <laughs> for All Japan. Um, so, so they lost you know, the entire roster. They lost, you know, other than the, like the foreign, most of the foreigners and like two native wrestlers. Mm-hmm. They lost their television time slots to Noah too. I think that's that. I think is something I think people leave out when they talk about this. Like they lost their TV deal to Noah at the same time, and you know, I, I feel like. If you're watching this live, you must have been like, "Well, this promotion's dead. I mean, how are they going to continue?" But amazingly, they did. You know, they continued on. Um, who came? Who came through for them? Who came through for them to keep them going? New Japan, uh, first of all. They're mm-hmm. old. The, the, who they split off with to form Kojima this promotion in the first well. place? New Japan came through for them, and Tenru and the War Guys right, right. came mm-hmm. through for them. The, well, well, that's a couple years later, but yeah, immediately it's New Japan and the War Guys. <laughs> Who the two groups? <laughs> the guys that just split off from them at the start of the last decade come back and save them. And New Japan, you know, with the the Kawada and Kensuke Sasaki feud, uh, Mudo did a lot of crossing over at this point, and then that would lead into like Dylan said, when Mudo and Kojima jump two years later. So you have about a two-year period of all Japan kind of getting saved by Tenru and the War Dudes, and you know a lot of other outside involvement. There was. The, they had a bunch of Toriumon guys that did tours during this point. Like they, they really would just open the gates to whoever they could book, and then um, you have at the very start of 2002, Keiji Mudo and Satoshi Kojima jump over, which was like a big deal at the time, and then Mudo ends up running the promotion basically for a decade, from 2002 to 2012. So that's like the Mudo All Japan period. It's like 10 years. Um, do you guys have any memories of the Mudo All Japan period? Have you watched any of that stuff? Yeah, I've seen some of it. I mean, Mudo Mudo has a lot of really good matches. Like a lot of the interpromotional matches that he has are are really good in that time period. Um, like he's got he's got some Kojima matches that are good. Um, let's see, what else has he got? Oh, I can't think of anything else right now. <laughs> right now, but I mean, that that's kind of like um, kind of like a, a revitalization revitalization of his career. Uh, Mudo in the, in all Japan, really, like the you know the first couple years um, of the 21st century in New Japan, and then jumping over to all Japan. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff in that uh, in that time period. I don't know, maybe Dylan, um, if have you seen any of that stuff? What are some other kind of big matches of that time period? Yeah, that that was a really that was a really cool run. Yeah, that was a really cool run. That Kenny Omega All Japan Junior Title run. So. Um, but yeah, the 10 year period, what I remember from it is all the like goofy WWE guys they brought in. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we had R O and D with like Jamal and, um, yeah, 
You had, so you had R O and D with like Jamal and like um, Rosie, I think, did a run there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you're right. Who the hell? Is, Bull Buchanan was in R O and D, like all these dudes. <laughs> and then like, um, you know, it keeps Devo Brown. There's another one. So you like, got a lot of guys like that. Yeah. So it's a. It was like a long period. Like where he he bring in a pretty. That's true. He did. He held the junior title for uh, I think for a while, but um. But it was it was a it was a very weird ten year period. Like I would I remember I, I, they were never my favorite promotion. I never paid like super close attention to them. But I would always like pop in for a show here and there, and it was usually like enjoyable enough. But it never it never captured my attention. I guess mm-hmm. as someone who like was really following Puro during that entire period, like it never they they were never a promotion I felt the need to follow. Mm-hmm. But it's the best way I could put it. But they weren't like offensively bad or anything. You know, you know who actually had a good a good run in that period was uh, Minoru Suzuki as a Triple yes. Crown champion. Yeah, his um, Triple Crown title reign was really cool. Yeah, I liked that. And then around the time that Dylan was talking about, I don't know if you guys have ever seen any of the Yuji Nagata stuff uh, against Stack of Arms, um, but that that stuff is awesome in all Japan. Um, that was 2012 ish, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so I remember. I I remember what you're talking about. That was his weird run when he, so he went to zero one and won the zero one world heavyweight title. Mm-hmm. He went to all Japan and like you said, had a great feud with Stack of Arms. Um, he he had a great he had a great run in um, in Noah obviously when he won the GHC heavyweight title. Yes, which is so, which is one of my favorite. Uh, like runs of the past few years like his 2000 2014 Noah run as a GHC champion I thought was just really awesome yeah so it was um it was a really cool run for for um for all Japan Mm -hmm. so you know that that 10 years like I said that 10 years it's not offensively bad or anything it but I didn't I didn't follow it on every show so I can't speak to as someone who like um was a humongous fan at the time. I don't want any, you know. I can't. I don't want anyone to get the wrong idea. Um, okay, so that's the second Exodus. January twenty thirteen, we had an interesting, a reverse Exodus, where Asuchi Yoyoki, Goshi Ozaki, Jun Akiyama, Kotaro Suzuki, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, they all jump back to Noah. In in the case of some of them, some of them for the first time, back from Noah to all Japan. Um, in January of 2013, this was the fallout from Kenta Kobashi getting released from his Noah contract um, in the prior December. So basically, they quit Noah in protest, and they end up back with all Japan. So that was an interesting. I remember. Th- I remember that being a very interesting period where people just kind of had the, a weird sense of optimism about all Japan finally. Mm-hmm. But um, then there was a third exodus. Right. So on June 30th, 2013. Muto and about half the roster, including guys like Masa Funaki, that was the biggest one to me, mm-hmm. the Funaki one, because he, like you said, he was having great matches with a lot of people still, even at his age. Yeah. Um, Kazayashi, Shuji Kondo, Ryoto Hama, a lot of other guys too. They all, all the, basically all the guys who were loyal to Muto, um, they left the company to form Wrestle One, and that was due to a falling out Muto had with the All Japan ownership. Um, basically, the prior year in 2012... He had stepped down as president but remained in the company, and he had been negotiating to resume the presidency in May of 2013. Negotiations obviously broke down. He ended up leaving. Um, so what you guys, when, that, when that happened, did that feel like a death knell 
for all Japan because I was like wondering how they're gonna. I mean, at that point, I've learned not to count them out or anything, but that felt pretty bad. That one. Yeah, I mean, at, at the time, I was thinking because this this was just as uh, as all Japan current all Japan was kind of on my radar, and I was thinking, oh well, okay, well that's that's kind of the end of that because I, I knew they weren't doing you know great business. Um, but I remember thinking, first of all, why do does everyone insist? Everyone in Japan insists on leaving their home promotion and just starting a new promotion. Why does everybody do that? I don't understand. Um, they they really like. I think like those guys were yeah. Um, and that's because you see that a lot in Japan when guys are close to to veteran wrestlers like Mudo, and uh, when that wrestler le- like in 2013 or um, 2011. When the burning guys left with Kobashi, it, that's I guess it's not so much about leaving the promotion; it's about being loyal to uh, one of those guys like that, like Mudo, Kobashi, etc. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's probably true. Yeah. Um. Oh, but but yeah. Oh, go oh ahead. sorry, but yeah, I I just remember thinking um, at the time, just okay. Well, there there goes um, there goes another promotion, and uh, I guess we'll see what Russell One is, but. Um, I don't really uh, expect much from that. I guess. I guess that was <laughs> that was kind of my thought. But again, that was uh, that was as someone who was, uh, I think, um, sufficiently on the outside uh, looking in at that point. So. So the following year, All Japan named Junakiyama the president. Uh, June fifth, twenty fourteen. They had a couple more years of financial difficulties. They weren't. They really weren't drawing at all. Um, I believe at this point the promotion basically folded. And Akiyama brought it back. It's a, it's a different promotion with the same name, mm-hmm. basically, and all the assets. So they didn't really have contracts the way that other promotions had contracts at that point. And that's what left pretty much all of the Noah guys that we just talked about that jumped. Um, Go, Kotaro, and Kanemaru. Three out of five all left. So they jumped, and within like 18 months, they were gone. They were, they were right back to being mm-hmm. gone. You know, Go, Go and Kanemaru both ended up back with Noah at first. Go is still there. Kanemaru snuck his way into New Japan <laughs> because he joined Suzuki Goon when he was in Noah, and then that let him go to New Japan when Suzuki Goon jumped back to New Japan. Kotaro is kind of all over the place now. He's in Wrestle One and Zero One. He's just a freelancer. But the only two guys that ended up staying were Junakiyama, now president of the company, and um, Atsushi Aoki, who's you know he's he's had some good runs as. Um, the the all with the all Asia titles, mm-hmm. and, so I, and I believe is one of the trainers uh, right now. I think all he's Japan a trainer, trainers. He's, and he's yeah, a really I good that, trainer. I think right, yeah. and people in the business, people, uh, mm-hmm. people who know what they're talking yeah. about when when it comes to Japanese wrestling, they all refer to him as uh, one of the best trainers out there. I mean, you could tell with the quality of the young guys they've had debut, you know, recently. When you talk about like a guy like, you know, Nomura, um, Jake Lee. When you talk about, oh God, what's it? Jake, well, Jake Lee's a good one, and then what's the the other junior? I'm thinking. Uh, is it Oka- the, the, the junior Okada? Oh, no, Iwamo- oh I- Iwamoto. Uh, no, Iwamoto. Iwamoto. Was he trained by Aoki or was he trained Iwamoto's by? Fantastic. Uh, because he came from uh, Sportiva. He he was out he was out of the the uh, Sportiva right. dojo. Yeah. Ah, mm-hmm. okay. Well, there you go. But I, I imagine well, I imagine he's working <laughs> out with uh, Aoki too. But yeah, the the new uh, the new guy Okada. Um, I forget his first yeah, name. Yeah, Okada's really. But he's good. You see, you Okada. Yeah, he's really good too. Um, I've I've even seen a lot of jokes about him being the best. Okada. Oh sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, so, so, so the current all Japan. So they, you know, they look, they lose all these guys. They're in this financial instability, but then they put the Triple Crown title on a guy named Kento Miyahara mm-hmm. last mm-hmm. year. Miyahara, by the way, not an all Japan true born. He's actually trained by Kensuke Sasaki in what was once the Kensuke office, then Diamond Ring, and came over from that. Um, but yeah, he he's been a humongous success as trip, as triple ground champion. He did lose the belt finally this year, but like he had a, he had the title for over a year. Um, I think did an even better job than anyone could have dreamed of with these amazing matches, drawing fans to the arenas, and the promotion. You know, has had a gigantic rebound in attendance. It was a, a, a rebound last year, but now this year is up even more. Mm-hmm. If you look at like um, who's the guy that does it on Twitter, Evan Strong style, I think. Right, uh, he does the Japanese. Yeah, the um, Evan is it Evan Deadly Sins? Is that his name? Evan Deadly mm-hmm. Sins. Yep. So he does he does those attendance comparisons, and all Japan is up like fifty percent or more in a lot of, a lot of months from last. Well, year. yeah, I mean, so, so the the title went over Zeus. I think that was something like eight hundred people in Corican Hall, and they sold out Corican for um, for this year's uh, Champion Carnival opener. You know, over sixteen hundred. So I mean. You know, doubling their attendance in some cases. So, um, I mean, great, great, uh, a great move for them. And uh, it seems like they're just uh, they're running. Uh, they they ran Sumo Hall last year, and you know, by hook or by crook, there was you know supposedly six thousand people there, which I don't think anyone expected. And they're running Sumo Hall again this year. So, uh, I think they're they're in you know not not uh, super great. Um, financial shape uh, i guess um well actually i don't know what kind of financial shape they're in but i mean they're improving and that that's really all you can yeah, ask Miyahara, for at this point i i think they they've improved yeah, a lot. in a lot of ways like when he was champion and, and it took a little bit for him to get going i remember those first few shows when he was champion they they didn't do too well but after about i don't know 7 8 months he really stabilized their business and to the point where uh, Shuji Ishikawa and Jake Lee headlined the last show, and they drew, like, I think 1,400. So, Miyahara, in a lot of ways, he really stabilized it for them. Yeah. So, so for what current All Japan is like, the way I always describe it to people is it's almost like in the all-star promotion of the Japanese indies now, where you always have, like, a lot of guys from other promotions appearing. Like, you know, Daisuke Sakimoto from Big Japan appears a lot. Yuji Okabayashi appears sometimes, also from Big Japan. Um, you'll have guys from anywhere from like 666. Sometimes a guy or two will appear from that. You'll have guys from Basira appearing. You'll have guys from DDT appearing. Um, you obviously will have guys from even Wrestle 1 now, which makes you wonder what the hell the point of the All Japan Wrestle 1 split was. But yeah, I mean, guys will appear from all over mm-hmm. in All Japan. So that's how I would I always describe it to people. It's like the all star promotion in a lot of ways. Like their own their own roster is not that big, and especially when you break it down and see how many of them are freelancers. But they just have so many talent, so many promotions they work with, and they always see, the other promotions always seem willing to send their talent. Mm-hmm. So it ends up resulting in. Some and really you know good that cars. that was something that I, I think really helped them over the course of last year was that they would they would be working with local promotions wherever they were you know wherever they would tour they would use kind of guys from the local promotions on on those shows and then that was you know kind of the big exchange there was. Uh, at the Sumo Hall show, you know, you had so many different people. You had Ray Paloma from Dove Pro there, and you had uh, Kanosuke Takashida from DDT, and you had, you know, just all 
these different guys uh, from all the different promotions that they worked with. You know, Strong BJ was in the title match, so uh, I think that was a really smart business yeah. move. And what happened was Akiyama's part. What happened well. was they used those guys for a while, and it got to a point where they got their own guys over. So now they, if you've noticed, they've stopped using those local guys when they go to you know Osaka and all those places. They just use their own guys because they got them over there. So that's that's really good on their part. So let's currently quickly do their champions here. We have the Triple Crown titles currently held by Shuji Ishikawa. The uh, Shuji Ishikawa, whose theme song you briefly heard at the start of this podcast because he appears in more of these promotions than almost anybody else, and he was the Japanese Independent Wrestler of the Year last year, um, you know, getting a big run with the Triple Crown title. He beat Kento Miyahara for that belt at Corican Hall on May 21st. Um, a title change I don't think a lot of people saw coming right after he won the Champion Carnival, but, you know, he's holding up so well so far as a draw. Um, he's obviously, to me, it's really obvious that he's one of the best wrestlers in the mm-hmm. entire world, so putting the triple crown on him I'm never going to call that a mistake I don't know people were saying at the time you know that they didn't really like it but I feel like he's proved himself already yeah so. yeah I absolutely agree I, I was I was a person who was a big fan of the title change when they did it um yeah, I think just as part of, uh, I mean, number mm-hmm. one, just to see Shuji Ishikawa uh, with the Triple Crown title. I mean, he, he looks, uh, I mean, he's on, you know, one of the greatest runs, I mean, certainly of his career. But, I mean, you know, his past two or three years has been, uh, you know, as strong as anyone's run, uh, save for a very, very few people. But, um, I mean, just besides me personally wanting to see him as a Triple Crown champion, I, I do think it's really great for the long-term story and the long-term ascendance of uh, Kento Miyahara. You know, I, I just see this as kind of a roadblock uh, for him to overcome and for, you know, something where he needs to work out a little bit of his character and maybe um, just get stronger before he can... Uh, before he can uh, beat the big dog Shuji Ishikawa. And it's actually, that's pretty tr- um, traditional uh, puro booking, if you look at it that way, in terms of uh, someone who's, I mean, seen as higher on the ladder and, you know, a step up in the hierarchy. Uh, the, you know, it's it's not easy to beat those guys. Upsets don't happen a lot in that way. Um, so he has to kind of, Miyahara has to go back and work a little bit and see if he can come back and uh, beat the big dog at some point. So I think it was great. Yeah, one of my one of my favorite things about the title change is watching him bring the belt to DDT and Big Japan and other you know promotions where he's has more of a history and like when they introduce him as Triple Crown Champion he raises it like the first time in Kirken Hall for DDT when they introduced him as Triple Crown Champion the crowd just gave mm-hmm. this enormous yeah. reaction to seeing you know someone they view at even though he's a freelancer one of their guys you know, yeah their guy yeah yeah I mean and the reaction at Kirken in Big Japan mm-hmm. wasn't that much smaller either so it was, it was yeah. they, they were really proud of him uh, really, Dylan really I wanted cool to ask moment. you because I don't, I don't know if I uh, I don't know if we talked about this but what what did you think of the the title change uh, the Ishikawa Miyahara title change um I watched it with I watched it spoiled first of all of course and I watched it after hearing mm-hmm. what everyone thinks so I don't know if I liked it as much as other people's just be other people not people's because I had such high expectations coming in, but it it was a really really good match. I think I gave it like four and a half stars for for those of you who care about star ratings. Um, and I think I might have even liked Jake Lee versus Ishikawa more. What's that, John? That's actually what I gave it to. I think. 
yeah, so I, I liked it a lot, but um, and I think a lot of the panic when he won came from uh, Regal being in attendance. Mm. Yeah, I think oh, no, a lot I of the panic came from Regal being a, being in attendance and but... perhaps scouting for NXT. Uh, so people thought, oh, Mia Hart lost the title; he's going to get picked up by by WWE. Where that's not the case. Regal was just there. He, oh, he attended. Right. Yeah, he attended. <laughs> he, he attended a bunch of shows in Japan, so it, it didn't mean anything. And Zeus and Bodyguard also lost their uh, tag titles on that show, so it was very, uh, very suspicious. But it, it, it's not going to lead to anything. Right. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I think that's where that came from. Mm-hmm. So that's the Triple Crown champion. Obviously, we seem to be, we all seem to be in agreement. Ishikawa is awesome. Um, the World Tag Team Champions, two two more guys I really like, the Big Guns, Zeus and the Bodyguard. Uh, they're on their third title reign. If you if you have not had a chance to see Zeus and the Bodyguard, these two huge, jacked up dudes who get in there and do all sorts of things you don't expect from them, like Bodyguard throwing spin kicks and <laughs> all this other crazy stuff. Yeah, these full, high full kicks extension, like, oh my God. foot over his he, head, spin he, kicks. <laughs> Like you need to see this because he like he's he's just very stocky. It's like a picture Rick Steiner throwing like a high kick and hitting other guy in the head, and you're like onto something. I think like that's about the same thing. Like this very stocky man who somehow manages to throw this high kick. It's I love his high kick so much. But they beat Kai oh. and Kingo. Yeah, the match with Miyahara was yeah one of my favorite matches. Just, yeah, one of my favorite mm-hmm. matches the entire year. Um, but yeah, so they defeated Kai and Kengo Mashimo at Kirk and Hall, June 11, 2017. The All-Asia Tag Team titles currently held by Evolution, Atsushi Aoki and Hikaru Saito, their second reign. They defeated a couple of legends, Onida and Masanobu Fuchi, at the Obihiro City General Gymnasium in Hokkaido on June 20, 2017. Um, yes, All Japan has two sets of tag titles, like a lot of Japanese promotions. But unlike most of them, they do not have a heavyweight and a junior heavyweight tag title. They just have one, you know, two open weight sets of tag titles. So um, it was a, v- a very strange reign by Onita and Fuchi. They had one defense back in January, and that was it. But they just dropped the belts. Not not a lot to say about the All Asia tag titles. They kind of exist. Right. And they they've. It seems like they barely existed this year. I I don't. Uh... I don't even remember uh, the title defense that they had uh, against whoever Akiyama and someone, right? Omori or someone. It wasn't good. It wasn't yeah. Good. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, then the World Junior Heavyweight Title, um, which wasn't a very big deal in all Japan in the in the nineties during that whole boom period, but um, has kind of seen a resurgence in the in the last like in the two thousands. Um, Hikaru Seijo just won the title for the second time. Or an, actually, on April twenty eighth, from Kaisuke Ishii and um, DDT, that was at the Okayama Prefecture Wholesale Center, Orange Hall. Uh, I like Hikaru Saito a lot. I like his very unique brand of um, submission based offense. I know he's not everybody's cup of tea, but I I enjoy him. So I even even I'm a little bit like, well, it'd be cool if we could give like you know one of the younger guys a try, but. I, I like Sato though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it was a little bit of I don't want to say a letdown because I, I like uh, Sato too, but 
uh, going from you know Keisuke Ishii, who I thought had a really great run, to uh, and you know Koji Iwamoto is now he's a young guy that's in the junior division that uh, I think a lot of people, including myself, really like. Uh, I think you know people thinking and he won this year's. Uh, junior tournament um so you know i think a lot of people were thinking oh man maybe he's gonna get the belt down the line or something but to kind of go back to uh, one of the more traditional champions i guess over the past or you know it's his second time uh, holding the title uh, it was a little bit of a letdown but you know I, I i like him so it's not that big of a deal i was i i, I think i agree with you john i was hoping maybe they would give it to a, one of the younger uh, kind of upstart guys or you know Something like that, right? I like it. I like Sato. I almost said Iwamoto because I think Iwamoto should have won the title on uh, when was it June twenty eighth? Uh, it was their second match together in, in the uh, the junior tournament in February. He won the title because he, like Miyahara, I think he should be the guy they build that division around. And because no one, let's be realistic, no one takes the junior division in all Japan that seriously. It's kind of just. The title bounces around a lot. Um, Ishii won it. It was very unexpected, I guess, because and he beat so much Kyle, who surprisingly won the title last year around this time, actually. And uh, it just actually. So I think Iwamoto should have been the guy they put the title on and just uh, had him built the junior division around too. Really, it would be a good way to get people to take it more seriously. He's still young, though. What's that? He's still young, though. There's still time for them to do that. We'll we'll see. Yeah, he is. That's true. Yeah. Um, So that's the junior division. And the last title is the Gaiara TV title. Um, This has always been kind of a wacky title, I feel like. Like, you know, Sushi had it for a long time. Um, Now we have it on Jun Akiyama. And Akiyama kind of announced he was going to step away from challenging the Triple Crown. He wasn't in the in the champion carnival this year either, but he did become the Gara TV champion. He defeated Kenzo as in Kenzo Suzuki to win the vacant title after, um, Jiro Aikman Kushiro had to vacate it. Um, he won that belt on Kirk and Hall, March 12th, 2017. Um, it looks like he's in fewer Tajiri for the, for the TV title now, which is kind of cool, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I don't, the, the belt just kind of is there. It's not really that important. And I think they're going to have their match, uh, I believe, this coming Quirk and Hall show. Is that right? On the 17th? I think that's correct. I don't think so. I don't think it was announced. Oh, well, really? Oh, okay. No, oh. I think they might save it for, uh, or maybe not. I don't know. They might save it for Simo Hall, if not. Oh, all right. Now, see, I, I was I was hoping we would get maybe a Mitsuya Nagai uh, Junagiyama rematch at, uh, at Sumo Hall. Oh, yeah, for sure. Me too. <laughs> Um, so that's the champions. Um, some other current names on the roster that stand out. You have Jake Lee, who's a, who's a very large, um, still young-ish guy. He had stepped away for a few years. He was originally an All Japan product. He stepped out to try his hand at, um, it was kickboxing, right? It wasn't MMA. Mm-hmm. So he stepped, yeah, he stepped away to try that for a little while. But then he came back and, you know, he just had a really good performance against Ishikawa uh, at Kirk and Hall about a month or so ago. So Jake Lee, that's a guy to keep your eye on, I think. He's, he's having uh, the best year of his career, I would say. Yeah, interesting note about him that I actually didn't know until uh, two months ago. He's actually Korean. He's not 
he's not fully Japanese. He's Korean Japanese, which is, I don't know, I, I, it's kind of interesting. They have some more guys like that on the roster. Yeah. Um, I pointed that out on Twitter and got, like, basically shamed. It was kind of, they were all it's, telling it's me. It's not that a huge deal, but it's, it's <laughs> There were more Korean Japanese people than you think. They are all telling me. So I'm like, okay. But, yeah. Ricky Joshi was Korean. Yeah. Um, Ricky, Ricky Dozen was uh, Korean, too. So. Yeah. yeah. A lot of um, Korean Japanese guys. Some other guys you have Joe Doring, who of course beat beat brain cancer to come to come back this year. He's very popular as a result, as you would expect. Um, you have Kai, who I think has been a real shot in the arm for the promotion. I know I'm like the big Kai apologist slash fan fan person. Hey, I'm 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 right there with you. I love Kai. So I, I think he's been a huge shot in the arm for all Japan this year. I think that was a that was a great addition of bringing him back after he left Russell. He originally left as part of the Russell one exodus, but he left Russell one at the end of last year to become a freelancer. And he's been working a lot of all Japan in zero one. So I think he's been a huge addition. Um, Suwama is a guy who's been around forever. Um, he goes all the way back to the start of the Mudo years. Um, he was like one of their, one of their big true borns then. So he's a guy who's still around. He's a big dude has a last drive power bomb. Um, but yeah, those, those are the ones that stand out. I don't know if you guys have anything else. Um, uh, I, I did want to mention uh, uh, Naoya Nomura, uh, who's a young guy as part of the uh, Next Dream stable that uh, Miyahara leads. And that's that's another guy um, who's uh, a, a young guy and I think someone that uh, you should keep an eye on in the coming years. You know, he's uh, improving at a pretty rapid rate, I think. I mean, um, he's just getting better and better now that he's kind of ditched the spear that he was using as a finisher for a while. Um but uh, he's a guy who shows a lot of heart and a lot of fire and uh, is a good baby face, I think. Um, good tag team wrestler, too. So we spent we, we did spend a lot of time at All Japan, so we should probably move on. But, but yeah. um, the final thoughts, this is a promotion I think you definitely should be watching. I think it's almost always worthwhile watching at least their main top matches. You can all, you can skip some of their like, multi-man tags or stuff that looks weird with like, a lot of old guys and stuff. But like the main matches are almost always really good. So I highly recommend All Japan as a, as a second promotion to check out. And you can find all their stuff on the Ryohio archive. So look for that if you, if you don't know what that is. Um, you can find out on Twitter pretty easily if you just search for it. Um, but yeah, All Japan, like a lot of promotions we'll be talking about, pretty much all their shows go up on that. Yeah. Um, the, that's All Japan, though. Uh, do you guys agree? Recommended promotion? Yeah. Absolutely. If you like 90s All Japan... Uh, it's one of those things. If you watch 1992 All Japan, then you watch 2017 All Japan, you're not going to be like, oh, what the hell is this? It's the same thing, pretty much. Uh, You know, some minor differences here and there, but by and large, it's it's All Japan, you know? It's the All Japan everyone knows and loves. It's it's closer to that style. I agree that it's closer to that style than especially in the Mudo years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's... It, it's it's pretty it's booked like pretty traditional uh, Japanese wrestling, so uh, it's all clean finishes. Um, you know, if you're someone that maybe gets annoyed by some run-ins or something, you know, look to all Japan. Yeah, you're gonna find just straight wrestling uh, and a lot of pretty good young guys. I mean, uh, real quick, I know we're trying to move on, but Yuma Aoyagi is another guy uh, who's currently a junior heavyweight, but I think they have their eyes on him to be a, a uh, heavyweight uh, star at some point, and the crowd is really behind him too. So, 
yeah, so, all Japan is awesome. Yeah, the, the clean fish thing is a great point. Like, if you're one of those people that really gets mad at all the run-ins in New Japan nowadays, I, I think you'll enjoy all Japan a lot because you're just never going to see it. So, mm-hmm. um, okay, moving on now, we're going to talk briefly because we, I, we we spent so much time in all Japan. Briefly <laughs> about Zero One. Um, Zero One's a promotion that was founded back in January of 2001. Um, the details are sort of murky on their founding because I, I, I remember reading, I can't find anything on the internet that specifically sources this, but I always I always thought, I remember reading that um, Shinya Hashimoto, when he jumped to Form Zero One, it was originally a work. In other words, they were going to form this, like, like New Japan had a lot of angles at the time where they'd have an invading promotion. You know, you had... Um, the, the big one in the 90s was UWF, um, UWFI, actually. And, but there were others, too. And the idea was, you know, Hashimo was going to leave as part of his, the fallout from his whole retirement angle with um, with Naoya Ogawa. And he was going to form this renegade promotion, Zero One, and they were going to run for like a year or two, and they were going to come back and invade New Japan. But it turned into a shoot because... If it wasn't from the start, because he really, him and Hashimoto and, and um, the Booker of New Japan, Ricky Choshu, like really didn't like each other. So it started. I, I'm pretty sure that's how it worked. It started as a work, became a shoot, and um, you know, you had guys like Otani was another big one who jumped from New Japan. Uh, funnily enough, Otani jumped because he was sick of being a junior heavyweight, and now this year in Zero One, 16 years later. He's stepping out of the fire festival to fully commit himself to being a junior heavyweight again, which I thought was really funny. Um, mm-hmm. So Hashimoto ran it for about three years until 2004. He stepped down, citing financial difficulties. Um, in actuality, he, re- he intended to return to New Japan after rehabbing his long-suffering shoulder injury. Um, he basically went on a he he had a, had a. a a torn shoulder for for a long time and he kept wrestling on it over and over again because he felt like he had to be on these shows to keep zero one alive and did a lot of damage so he was he was trying to rehab it and rest it up to return to new japan 2005 but he tragically died of a brain aneurysm on july 11 2005 um the man who ended up in charge oh yeah wow that's true yeah today when people are listening to it it'll probably be the day after but yeah as we're recording this it's the it's the 12th year anniversary of uh, his death. One of the best, I think. I love Hashimoto. Oh, yeah. yeah the the guy who ended up in charge... Of... He died. I'm sorry? No, I was saying... I, I... Forget it. <laughs> Keep going. Okay. I was going to say something about Hashimoto, but go ahead. Um, so ultimately, the guy who ended up in charge of Zero One was Otani, uh, which remains the case all the way through till today. Um, for a while, they were going into some of the names Zero One Max, but following this change, they returned just to zero one in 2008. Um, I feel like the main issue nowadays is they just don't have many televised events. Like if you look at the, this has been the case for a few years now, but if you look at the Real Hero Archive for them this year, they only have eight shows and, you know, we're, we're already more than halfway through the year. Um, and most of those eight shows are actually like Nico Nico, like single cam recordings. They're not even real televised events. So they just aren't on television in much Japan anymore. And um, they tend to fly very under the radar, even to like the hardcore hardcore fans. But you know, I mean, the one the one or two shows a year I watch of them, I, I usually kind of enjoy myself. So um, I don't I don't know what to say about them. They're they're very they have a lot of old guys mm-hmm. <laughs> as far as their yeah. current run. Like there's a lot of times you look at a zero one show and it's like wow, 
Takai was still around. Okay. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, actually, uh, incidentally, uh, this week I was listening to this week's episode of the podcast Between the Sheets, uh, and they talked a lot about um, the Hashimoto zero uh, one situation. So, yeah, oh. I, from, from what, so I mean, I guess, you know, if anyone is interested on kind of a real deep dive, they can check that out. But yeah, from what I gathered, yeah, it started out as a shoot uh, in the sense that I think New Japan, or sorry, it started out as a work. Uh, New Japan, I think, helped them or helped Hashimoto find a financial backer. Um, but then Hashimoto was v voted out of the uh, promotion by uh, a lot of, like, the I know Kensei Sasaki and, like you said, Ricky Choshu and whoever else was, like, in the booking committee or something. Uh, I think everyone but Fujinami um, voted him out. But Fujinami didn't, but yeah, so I, I think that's kind of, it was going to be part of an angle, but like you said, it turned into a shoot, but I, I still think nothing is exactly clear on what happened, but gotcha. um, I'm yeah, glad but, I'm, I'm glad I didn't just make that up, so that's good to know. Yeah, right, <laughs> um, but yeah, Z Zero One is an interesting promotion in that um, I, I I enjoy it, but I, str and we may, uh, I may come back to this talking point a few times this show, but I I have difficulty articulating why someone should seek it out, uh, if that makes sense. And I'm not trying to talk bad about it, but um, I just have trouble. Like it, I mean, they have good matches. Uh, Kohei Sato is in there, Shinjiro Otani. Uh, I like Obata. I like Daiki uh, Inaba. But, you know, I struggle to figure out like why exactly I'm going to watch Zero One if I'm going to sit down and watch something. I don't know. I, I'm curious to hear what Dylan has to say about Zero One. That, but that's a great point, though. Like, it's hard to come up with a reason to watch them a lot of the time. So it's... Right. What do you think, Dylan? It exists now. And it is now. Um, and it, it, it's been irrelevant for years. I remember this earlier this year. They said they were going to run uh, Corkin every month, I believe. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I think they said that, and uh, I'm not sure they followed up with that. Uh, they, they had, I think, they have been running it most months. I think they might have missed like one, most. but but most okay. of the shows yeah. are not making TV though, which is you know for a Korean show not make TV. That's pretty surprising. Yeah, right. We were talking about off air that this Gambari Pro Wrestling show from last year didn't make air either. That one uh, show of the year in this uh, Occupation of the Indies War, yeah, awards. And uh, that was from Corkin too. So it's very rare that uh, a Corkin show doesn't make air at all. But yeah, these zero one shows, the airing schedule is very weird. They've only aired uh, what six or seven shows this year. Just think, well, there's, there's eight. There's, too, there's and, eight in the Real Hero Archive. So that's how much. Yeah. Right, and some of those are just like tour stop shows that you know no one is watching. Maybe like three, three, four maniacs are watching them. That's it. Yeah. Uh, and the Corkin shows are. I've seen, I think, one or two of them that made air, and, and they're decent. They're okay. They're just – the best way to describe it, it's like Noah when Noah was bad a few years ago. Mm. And that's not me calling Zero One bad. It's just – it's kind of there. But for Noah, uh, it, it's bad for Noah when Noah was, when was in that down period. I got you. So, um, so it, it kind of exists. I think we're all in agreement with Zero One. Basically, they, there's nothing – like wrong with what they're doing. It's just very like, like if you're looking for dry puro, basically like right. the, the driest of the dry, just men grappling. I mean, you, that's what zero one is basically. And you know, I mean, Hideki Suzuki had some matches there last year. 
I remember liking when I saw mm-hmm. them. I think it was like one or two matches I saw of him in Zero One last year when he was in that in the company. Maybe maybe I have my years wrong because like Zero One does not leave a deep impression. But when he was there, I remember liking him. Yeah, last year. My, Masada twins. Yeah, last. Okay. Uh, uh, sorry, sorry. Um, uh, the he, was, he, was that, a, he was a champion, right, for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And the year before that, like Masato Tanaka had a really good match with uh, Shingo Takagi, and you know Masato Tanaka runs around in zero one, and, and but it's you know again it's just uh, if you're hey if you're looking for deep um, just other stuff to watch, check out zero one, and they do post a good amount of stuff on their YouTube page as well. Oh so. yeah, that's true. Usually quick. I feel okay. like there's always every year there's like one or two matches of zero one. I'm like, wow, they're still around. That was pretty good, but. As far as other than beyond that, like if, if you if I was gonna tell you like what promotions to watch of the ones we're gonna talk about, like zero one would be near the bottom of the list. So check it yeah. out check it out if you have time, but it's really nothing you need to go out of your way to say. I'll say that. Akuda Hodaka, Minoru Tanaka, Katara Suzuki, those guys are good. I'm not they're not matches are not worth seeking out necessarily, but if you have some time, it's not it's not something that's going to offend you. The junior wrestling is pretty good. So I, I don't really – I'm not even going to go through the champions because there's so many of them and who cares. But, <laughs> I mean, Masato Tanaka is the current world champion, everybody. That's the big one. But I do want to go through the Fire Festival participants really quick because that – it actually is an interesting lineup to me this year. So mm-hmm. let's quickly go through this. Um, for people who don't know, the Fire Festival is like their equivalent to G1. So we have Masato Tanaka, the reigning champion, uh, his 17th year competing in the Fire Festival. Um, he's he won it four times. Yusaka uh, Yusaku Obata, um, last year's winner, his fifth year competing. Kohei Sato, seventeenth year competing, he's won it twice. Kohei Sato is like the the guy I think most people would think of when they think of zero one now, because he wrestles mm-hmm. all over the place. Like you'll see him in Big Japan all the time, uh, especially teaming with Suji Chikawa at the Twin Towers. But he's technically a um, a zero one guy, and he's on every show. So if you don't, people and don't and he's he's been there for a long time too. Yeah. So, well, obviously he's been his seventeenth year in the fire festival. So, yeah, so they, 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 started that means that means they've been they've been in every single one, I guess. Yeah, because wow. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Bakori Sato, like I feel like there's people who watch Piro now who might not even know he's just your one guy. <laughs> like you just might think he's a big Japan guy. Right. Big Japan makes tape so much more than zero one, which you know, like as someone like who grew up with. Puro in the 2000s, like Zero One was always a clear, uh, like number four promotion after New Japan, Noah, and All Japan, and it's, they've so clearly dropped from that from that perspective for sure. To the point where most there's people who follow Puro who probably don't even know they exist. So okay, so it's Koei Sato, then James Rydeen, uh, his fourth year competing, he won it in 2013. James Rydeen is like my biggest turnoff with Zero One. Like I, there's nothing interesting about that guy. Mm-hmm. He's he's uh, a bit dry. I would have to uh, say. Um, we have Shogun Okamoto, his second year competing. Uh, Super Tiger from Real Japan, his first year competing. This is where we get into the guest stars, and there are actually some yeah. interesting guest stars here. So Super Tiger from Real Japan, all the first year competing, actually. Um, Daiki Inaba from Russell 1. That's pretty cool. I really mm-hmm. like in, I really like Inaba as far as a young guy goes. So um, that if, if any of his matches make tape, I'll be interested in seeing that. Kano from Noah, again... And a big guest star, probably the biggest one of them, all of them. Um, Yuko Miyamoto from 666, um, one half of Yankee 2 Kenju with uh, 
Izami Kodaka. So another another big one. And then Leona from Tradition. So um, that, that, that's a pretty solid like little roundup of uh, of Japanese guest stars for like that's that's a bigger group than you'd expect them to get honestly. Like when yeah, I saw I, this when I saw this list, I was pretty stunned by 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 Inaba, Kano, and Miyamoto especially. And that's a cool, really diverse group too. So, uh, so I, I hope kind of I hope some of this I hope some of this makes tape. Is basically what I'm saying. Like I know yeah. a couple shows will at least, but I want to I want to see like a full league show. So I hope makes tape. Um, but that's that's the fire festival, everybody. Um, <laughs> If you have time, watch it. If not, don't worry. Uh, so we're moving on now to Big Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, not BJPW, by the way. BJW. It's a common, uh, quote-unquote, noob mistake. So just so everybody knows. <laughs> um, so they were founded in March of 1995 by former AJ, All Japan wrestlers Shinya Kojika and Kendo Nagasaki. Uh, Shinya Kojika, of course, now known as the Great Kojika. Uh, Nagasaki left in 99. Kojika's still around. There's really not a lot of drama when it comes to Big Japan. Um, they're just like, they're Yokohama based promotion who they got in on the deathmatch ground floor, the, the, the deathmatch boom, basically. Um, no, actually, not quite the ground floor because there are other companies going already, but they got in on the boom. Um, so the deathmatches are still the, the biggest draw for the company. You always have to say that and make it very clear because people, especially on the Western side of things, don't always seem to know that. Um, people like their big Japan death matches. Which just yeah, in Japan especially. Yeah. In Japan especially. Um, the promotion has also developed a traditional Puro division as well, which is led by guys like um, Daisuke Sekimoto and Yuji Okabayashi. Those are the two big names I think a lot of Puro fans would have heard of even if they don't follow big Japan. Uh, so basically, you have two divisions. You have, because of the initials, Strong BJ and Deathmatch BJ, which I'm sorry, I, get, I always giggle a little bit whenever, <laughs> whenever I say them out loud. Strong BJ. Um, so that, that, that those two divisions have been like that for about five years. Um, it was following the 2012 Ikitoshin Strong Climb Tournament. It's when Big Japan introduced the Strong World Heavyweight title which um, would come to represent that side of the promotion. So basically, when you watch Big Japan, you have a strong BJ division with all the the guys competing in regular matches, and you have the deathmatch BJ division with guys competing in the deathmatches. And there will be some crossover, but for the most part, guys kind of stay in their lane. Um, Now, recently, Big Japan just reintroduced their junior heavyweight title. Do either one of you know who the last junior heavyweight champion is? Because when I saw this, like, it floored me. Uh, I, I do know who the last junior heavyweight champion was because I just read it on the notes that you sent okay. us. So, <laughs> but but did, you, did you know that before? I forgot I said you. The, uh, did you know that before or no? N- no, okay. no, I, I did not. Everybody, the last Big Japan junior heavyweight champion was Homicide. Yes, that Homicide. Yeah. Uh, he won the title from the winger on November 15th, 2002 in Queens, New York. Um, there has not been a single... Big Japan Junior Heavyweight Champion since then. The the new the, they they decided to reintroduce it this year with a round robin tournament. Uh, the round robin portion is over. The top two were Kazuki Hashimoto and Shinobu. Uh, Shinobu has a, a long history as a freelancer, even all the way back in Dragon Gate he, when he was uh, the original Super Shenlong. But they're going to meet at the big Ryugokutan show on July 17th in the final. And we will finally have, 15 years later, 
a new junior heavyweight champion of Big Japan Pro Wrestling. Homicide, I had to give that belt back, I guess. If you, you know what I want? You know what I want? You want Homicide to come yeah, in and challenge him? July 17th. Let's say Kazuki Hashimoto wins the title. Out comes Homicide, right? The siren For a year, we get <laughs> Kazuki Hashimoto, Homicide. With the payoff at next year's Simon. <laughs> yeah, you get a year, year long build to that, right? <laughs> yeah. Actually, He's like, I... How's that? <laughs> LAX, let's get Ortiz, Santana. What's their names? I don't know. <laughs> I <laughs> don't know. LAX, I think. Homicide was like, I never lost the belt, damn it. Yeah. Um, so that's Ryugoku Tan, the junior heavyweight title final. Now, as a result, the Big Japan strong world heavyweight title has a weight limit for the first time. So, you, Or not a weight limit, a weight floor, actually. So competitors must weigh at least 96 kilograms, about 212 pounds, to challenge for the strong world heavyweight title. Um, those 95 kilograms and under will now have to challenge for the junior title instead. So it's interesting how it's going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, quickly, talking about the champions, the current deathmatch match champion is Masaya Takahashi. He defeated Abdullah Kobayashi in a light tubes and spike nail board deathmatch that got endless survivor at the Yokohama Cultural Gymnasium May 5th, 2017. Now, are, are either one of you guys like big deathmatch guys? Because I'm, I'm not really a deathmatch guy. I am. No. Big time. So what, so what, I used to be. I'm not anymore. So what do you think of what do you think of Masaya Takahashi then? Uh, there. Okay, I have a couple thoughts. First of all, I do not like that he wears a shirt uh, when he wrestles in death matches. I am a big fan of death match wrestlers uh, just being bare chested. Uh, if I'm going to watch a death match, I want it there to be as much blood as possible. Um, I do like him, however, as a champion. I mean, this is uh, a new guy. This is a young guy for. Uh, the division, and it's a division that's kind of struggling right now. I mean, if you look, it's pretty lopsided, um, the two different divisions. There's not many uh, deathmatch guys anymore. Uh, uh, Toshiyuki Sakuda, he's kind of the other uh, young guy, along with uh, Takeyuki Uyeki, who's um, Takashi's partner. But uh, I I like him. I thought he was really good in the uh, deathmatch tournament, the Ikitosen, this year. And, yeah, I mean, I, I think this is going to be a really, really interesting match between um, him and kind of – it's the, so their uh, their tag team is called the Chimidoro Brothers, uh, the Bloody Brothers, I think. So they're going to be headlining Sumo Hall next week, which is um, going to be a pretty big deal. And so we'll, we'll, I want to get into that because we're going to talk about the card. But, okay. but as Takahashi um, himself, you, you're a fan. I am a fan, yeah, and I I did want to just kind of say uh, just a quick piece on the deathmatch style of Big Japan. Um, I mean, it's it's different from uh, maybe the FMW style uh, from the mid '90s, which is based on like using the deathmatch stipulations to build lots and lots of drama, uh, heading towards the big uh, brutal spots. I mean, really. If you're looking for psychology in death matches or in Big Japan death matches, it's built around um, just kind of how much can you endure. I mean, the the 
the show, one of their big shows is called Endless Survivor. So it's how much can you survive? How much can you endure? And how much are you willing to uh, put yourself through in order to win a match? So, um, I mean, I think a lot of people, it can maybe come off as just kind of mindless uh, violence. And, you know, it, it certainly, there is an element of that. But uh, I, I do think there's kind of, there is psychology to the matches as well. And, and I will say this also, sorry, I don't want to ramble here, but I, I think to compare like a big Japan style death match to uh, like CZW or something, I, I do think there's a difference in the sense that uh, all the big Japan wrestlers are trained wrestlers and, you know, they're all good to varying degrees. I mean, you have a guy uh, who's a, uh, comes in sometimes like Masashi Takeda who has, you know, a very good grappling background. So, you know, it's not unusual to see death matches built around, um, like a limb injury, for instance, someone using light tubes to injure a leg or, uh, you know, concrete blocks to injure an arm or something. So uh, I think that that does make a, for a little interesting twist on the division itself. So, yeah, I just wanted to kind of say my piece about that. I mean, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna watch the 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 the, the I mean, I I don't watch all the death matches, but I usually watch like the big main event ones and. I, I I don't remember hating the match with Abdullah Kobayashi, so um, mm-hmm. I remember it was it was kind of fun, I guess. Um, I'm interested to see what since it's two young guys at Ryugoku Town, what that what they end up producing. But we'll we'll get yeah. into this. In I mean, I, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. So the the strong world heavyweight champion, the current strong world heavyweight champion, is a guy that I am a huge fan of. A guy that your co-host um, Brennan on Burning Spirits also a huge fan of. Um, Hideki Suzuki, who defeated Daisuke Sekimoto at Kirken Hall back on March 30th, 2017. Um, Hideki, he's wrestling a very throwback, grapple-oriented style. He's having these 10-minute matches where he just out-wrestles his opponent and makes it perfectly clear how much better he is at, you know, mat wrestling and technical wrestling than his opponent, and it just puts them away. So, I've really enjoyed his title reign a lot. It's Unlike anything else going on in wrestling right now, so um, I'm I I thought the the last title match with Kamatani was really good, um, and I'm willing to be out on an island, just me and Brennan, if we're the only two people that feel that way. But no, yeah, that was a great match. I like that too, and I I was worried about that match because Kamatani hasn't done a lot for me in I want to say the past eleven twelve months, really since he won the title in uh, at the last Ryugoku Don show. Uh, he's been he's kind of just been a guy and i was really worried about that match but no it was really good i like that oh. okay i'm happy that other people liked it i didn't even know um, <laughs> what do you think what do you what do you think of him Drew? uh i am a big fan i'm not as big a fan as brennan is i mean that's like brennan's guy to a t i mean that's like everything he he looks for in a wrestler uh, i am a big fan though I really like his style, and I really like that he's brought something different to the strong division. I mean, I think he fits in just fine with the strong division as it is, because he can, you know, he'll throw some of the stiffest elbow strikes in all of Japan. But, uh, you know, like you said, he's having these 10-minute, 12-minute, 15-minute matches uh, where, you know, they're submission-based, and he's just out-wrestling his opponents, um, I think he's had a really great run so far. Uh, I mean, we can get into this because uh, I know Dylan. I think you and I uh, probably feel pretty differently about the uh, Sumo Hall card as a whole. But um, 
you know, it's I, I'm pretty divided on the main event. So, uh, or, or sorry, the the strong title um, championship match at uh, Ryu Goku. Um, yeah, so we'll get we'll we'll go through the card in a sec. Yeah, sorry, so. sorry, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, to to simplify, yes, I'm a big fan. I think he's awesome. So so Hideki Suzuki, uh, more popular than I thought he was. There we go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like, I I do think like you know for for people who don't know that the the traditional big Japan strong the strong big Japan style is kind of you know two bulls running into each other you know that's kind of like what their style has been in the past few years you have these big guys like sekimoto and okabayashi and kamatani even and like all, all these dudes shuji ishikawa was has been a mainstay in the past just like running into each other and larrying each other and suzuki you know he, he he can do that he does throw the elbows and stuff but he's such a different kind of wrestler that he it almost makes sense that he'd be able to come in and just beat all these guys. You know, he beat Sekimoto for the title. He beat Okobayashi to retain, which is a big deal after Okobayashi had that year-long reign. And then he beats Kamatani, the guy who beat Okobayashi. So he comes in and just with his totally different style, his mat-based style, his technical wrestling expertise, you know, he just he dominates its division that um, you know, is more used to just guys running head on into each other. So I think it makes complete sense. I think it's a very throwback wrestling story, and I'm I'm a big fan of it. So, um, just to give you people who might not be um, big Japan watchers some context into what's going on there. Um, the big Japan tag team titles. Speaking of Sakimoto and Okobayashi, they are the current big Japan tag team champions. They beat the Twin Towers of Kohei Sato and Suji Ishikawa at Kirkin Hall on January second, and what I thought was an awesome match. Awesome, awesome match. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, you know, nothing can't go wrong with Sakimoto and Okabayashi. They had a great run as, as the all Japan tag champions last year. They lose those belts to the big guns towards the end of the year. And they go, they go right into big Japan tag team champions. So, um, you know, very cool to have them as tag champions, I think. Mm-hmm. Standbys of the promotion to stand by, you know, the two pillars of the strong division. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, the Yokohama Shopping Street Six-Man Tag Team Champions, <laughs> Ryokohama, Shogun Okamoto, and Yasufumi Nakano. I can never pronounce his name. Nakano. Uh, so they defeated Hideki Suzuki, Takuya Nomura, and Yoshihashi Uto on June 3rd, so very, very pretty recently. Um, so uh, obviously it's a six-man tag title, and with a wacky name, but what do you, you know, <laughs> um, not that yes. important, but it exists. Right, it's kind of similar, similar to the never six man belts. I mean, yeah. they they get tossed around and vacated all the time, and uh, yeah, you know, you never know who has them and who doesn't. So, um, so if you look at an overview of the rosters, you know, like like um, Drew was saying before, the the strong BJ division right now much bigger than the deathmatch BJ division. Um, you know, yeah, we talked about a lot of the guys in there, and we're going to talk about some more in a second. Um, they frequent guests include uh, the the Brown Brothers, who are technically freelancers. Uh, Speed of Sounds are on a lot of the shows. Isami Kodaka is on a lot of the shows. Um, you know, so those kind of guys. And Shuji Ishikawa, Hideki Suzuki, um, pretty much all those types of dudes. Uh, Daichi Hashimoto is another guy worth mentioning. He's actually a, a roster member. Uh, you know, Shinya Hashimoto's son. So, you know, this is where he chose to, to apply his trade. 
And I think a lot of people were surprised by that decision. And, um, but I think it kind of made sense for him to kind of get a chance to forge his own path in wrestling instead of necessarily following his father's lead in zero one or new Japan. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he, he's a guy that's uh, really over the past few years, he's slowly been improving and slowly been kind of making his way up the card. And uh, it's always exciting. I mean, he was in the champion carnival this year and I thought had a pretty good showing. So uh, it's always exciting at the beginning of the year to think, you know, okay, what's, what's Hashimoto going to do this year? Where is, where is he going to go? What's he going to do? So he's always a guy to watch. So, moving on to the Ryu Gokutan card. This is coming up next week. Um, and I might as well mention now that on next week's show, we're going to actually have a Big Japan-focused episode talking Ryu Gokutan after it makes air. So, I'll, I'll talk about the guests later. I'll leave that as a, as a teaser. One of the guests is not someone you expect to be on this podcast network. Yeah, you, you know, you know, I I uh, know who the guests are, in fact, and uh, <laughs> I actually wanted to talk to you about that. Perhaps off air, we'll talk. About it. Um, the one of the guests yeah. is a, one of the guests Drew and or Drew knows very well. I'll say so. That's not a that one will be a big surprise. It's the other one that might be a surprise to people. But yeah, yeah so we, next. Look, and I, and I will say this, that uh, I'm very excited to hear both people on there, and I, I get along with both people. Uh, I, I, I do, too. I like both people, so. Yeah, yeah I just wanted oh, to well, hey, I don't know who they are, so that's... I think I have a good guess of who they are, though. Okay. Uh, so, Dylan, keep that in your head, and we'll see you later. All right, so the Ryu Gokutan card um, for next June 17th at Sumo Hall. The I'm not going to go into every single match because some of them aren't very important, but um, let's talk the main title matches. Start with so the, the last five matches, the big the big matches. The match six, which is the junior heavyweight title match, Kazuki Hashimoto and Shinobu, the number one and number two in the junior league, to decide the what well, says the first champion. It's not the first champion. Homicide was the last right. champion, <laughs> but apparently he's being erased from history. Um, so I don't know. Do you guys have a prediction for this? I, I think Hashimoto is winning, but I wouldn't be shocked if Sonobu won. Yeah, I, I, I feel the same way. Um, I would, I would expect, uh, Hashimoto to win and kind of, I mean, he's a big Japan guy and, uh, he could be set up as kind of the torchbearer of that division. Um, I mean, it, it kind of feels like that anyways, even without the title, but you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Shinobu get, you know, as kind of the veteran, uh, of that crew, uh, get the first reign. So, um, yeah, yeah I could, God, no, oh, oh, sorry. That, that was it. Well, what do you think Dylan? I was just going to say, go either way, because on one side you have Hashimoto, who returned to the promotion, what, what was it, this year or late last year? Um, mm-hmm. Last year. And, yeah, so I could see them giving him the title as, uh, like, a way to end his redemption story, him coming back from injury. You know, he lost all of his weight. He looks, he's in tremendous shape. And I could see them going that route. But I could also see them giving it to Shinobu, because, like you said, he's a veteran. Uh, he's a name who could establish the title, perhaps. Uh uh, he might even draw. Who knows? Uh, Hashimoto, I don't know how much of a draw he is, but Shinobu draws a certain a fan base. Basically, is a way to put it. Oh yeah, always, ha- always has, and always will. <laughs> I'm sorry. Right, continue. So, it, it could be one way. I wouldn't be surprised, but I think uh, my gut's telling me Hashimoto. 
and I will say, if if I could just say something about the junior division, I mean, this is something. Now, uh, I will throw out a plug as well, if I could. So, uh, the show I co-host, Burning Spirits, uh, we have an episode coming out tomorrow, uh, which is largely devoted to uh, previewing the Sumo Hall card here. And next week, we also will be having a uh, show. Uh, do, do, sorry. <laughs> I got confused. We also, uh, next week, are going to have a show where we review the entire Sumo Hall card as well. So um, you can uh, listen to two different shows on the Voices Wrestling Podcast Network, which is pretty crazy to think about. Uh, you know, two different shows plus a written preview, plus Dylan is going to be doing a written review of the show. Right. So, I mean, Voices of Wrestling is going to have some heavy Big Japan coverage over the next Yeah, week, for, for, for people. Pretty cool. People who say we're like the New Japan NJPW Mecca or whatever, like we actually cover a lot of shit Which from a are. lot of we angles. Well, oh god, it's not shy away. <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm trying to be fair and say we, we we have we cover everything, not just New Japan. And we're Listen, giving. I got my check. I got my check. I'm not. <laughs> I'll I'm keep getting that money. I'm gonna keep. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I I I'm happy to see a, a lot of Ryukotan coverage. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, so, sorry, I, I know I keep interrupting and kind of going on these rants. Could could I? I'd like to say something just real quick about the junior division as a whole, if I could. Um, sure. I, I this this is a really really cool division that they're developing here because it's essentially just a junior division of the strong uh, division. So it's you know it's not uh, a junior division in the sense that people might be thinking. There's not a ton of high spots and uh, real high flying action. This is really just small guys working fast and just really beating the hell out of each other. Um, I, this is something I'm really really excited for. There's a lot of really great young talent in this division and. I think having uh, this title on shows is really going to prop up, uh, you know, kind of that pre-intermission, post-intermission spot. I mean, I, I think it's going to add a lot to the to the company as a whole. So yeah, that agree. was all. Um, okay, so the next match, the Yokohama Shopping Cart Street Met Street Shopping Street, not a cart. <laughs> six man tag team titles. Um, this actually looks pretty good for for these belts. You have ha Hama Nakano and Shogun Okamoto against Kohei Saito, um, Daishi Hashimoto, and Hajoshi Kamatani. I'm I'm pretty excited for this one. I think it could be a really good match. Yeah, yeah. I mean, ju it's just going to be six big guys just running into each other and kicking each other. I'm especially excited to see uh, uh, the entire team's interactions with Hama because Hama is so good. And uh, yeah, this this would be cool. I'm I'm expecting the Hashimoto and Kamatani team to uh, to pick up the win here. Yes, I would I would think so too. But you never know with these titles. So right, this might yeah. be the match I'm most excited for on the show. Oh, oh wow. It's all six guys. Okamoto, for people who haven't seen him, big guy. Uh, and I feel like people will like it. He has a similar build as uh, Kamatani, actually, but uh, he's not boring. And um, I think a lot of people wow. like him, and I think this is going to be a very fun match. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad we're all excited for this one because I'm pretty, I'm pretty pumped. So <laughs> the Then the eighth match on the show, the strong World Heavyweight title match, Hideki Suzuki defends against Ryuchi Kawakami. Uh, Kawakami is similar to Kamatani, another young guy who's um, he's looking. It's, it's got an interesting story here because he's actually looking to avenge the a loss to Suzuki that was like a number one contender match, 
and, and a 10 minute match I really liked at the time that sent Suzuki onto the title. So if he can beat Suzuki here, which I kind of think he will, um, well, I don't know who else would be left to do it at that point if Kawakami loses, but it'd be like going full circle. So I, kn- I know a lot of people are not huge Kawakami fans, but I like I like that they're willing to give another young guy a shot, even after the Kamatani reign didn't go very well last year, other than no uh, other than a really great match where he won the title. That was my match of the year for 2016. But after that, it went wow. kind of it went kind of down the crapper. But um, but yeah, the uh, I'm hopeful we get another really good performance out of Hideki here, and. We'll see how a Kawakami ring goes if that's how it goes down. Uh, what was that? Oh, I just said we'll see how a Kawakami title ring actually goes if that's how oh, it goes I thought down. You, oh, my bad. I thought you. I thought you mentioned my name. Oh. Uh, so you know, I actually I have a lot of thoughts on this match. Uh, so I mean, th- this card as a whole seems to be uh, the purpose of it seems to be establishing new talent and young talent. So um, I mean. Th- this match in particular, uh, I'm pretty conflicted about because on the one hand, I really have enjoyed Hideki Suzuki's title reign, and I really don't want to see it come to an end. I, I kind of just want to see him run through the entire roster. Uh, but like you said, John, there's kind you know if Kawakami doesn't beat him, who who's going to do it? Um, I mean, you could have Kawakami lose and then win maybe at Death Vegas at the end of the year or something. But, um, you know, on, on the other side, you have Kawakami, who uh, this kind of, this marks essentially the one-year anniversary of him returning to the ring after a serious neck injury. So, uh, and supposedly he was supposed to be in the spot Kamatani was in last year. So you do have this story uh, of uh, again, kind of a redemption story of him coming back from injury and spending this year uh, improving himself and getting himself ready to be the, the title holder. Um, you know, I they've proven before. I really liked that match too, John. The number one contenders match that they had. So they've they've proven that they can have good matches together. Um, they I don't know if either of you saw the the tag match that they had on uh, June twenty eighth at the last Corican show. But it was the interactions were really, really heated between those two, and I mean, it, it got me more excited for this match. Um, the The thing is, is that Kawakami is a guy who um, doesn't come off as, uh, and you know, Dylan, uh, we may. Um, I'd like to get your opinion on this as to what you think Kawakami, or what do you think of him? Because I, I think you're maybe not the biggest fan of his. Um, but you know he, I, I like him, but he is someone that can kind of get lost in the shuffle, and you know I'm not sure if he feels like a champion at this point. So you know, story wise, storyline wise, I think it would be the right move. Um, but selfishly, I just want to see uh, Hideki Suzuki, um, you know, hold the belt forever. So I, I don't know. What do you think? No, I I agree with uh, Kawakami. I don't I don't hate him, but he's. He's kind of just a guy to me. Uh, he hasn't been great since returning. I didn't really like the Suzuki match that John mentioned from, uh, when was it, March or February? February, I think. Uh, I didn't like that match that much. Um, you pretty much said, well, he doesn't feel like a champion to me. He's he, he's kind of just a guy. And I like Suzuki. I want to see him uh, hold the title at least until Death Vegas in uh, December. And uh, here's a prediction. And stick with me here. The junior title match 
the result of that will tip off this match. Because if you look at the parallels between Hashimoto and Kawakami, they're very similar. Uh, Hashimoto returned from injury. He's in great shape, as I said. And uh, he's going through this whole redemption thing where he has a title shot. Uh, he could possibly win. And Kawakami's doing the same thing. He returned right around the time uh, Hashimoto returned last year, I believe. At uh, He returned at the at the Sumo Hall show. He, he had a match with Sekimoto that I liked. and um, But since then, he, he has been great. Uh, but I think that junior title match result will top will tip off the result of this. If Shinobu beats Hashimoto, Kawakami beats Sudeki. But if Hashimoto beats Shinobu, I think Suzuki's retaining. Mm. Maybe I'm looking too far into it. That's kind of how my brain works when it when it comes to wrestling. I I overthink a lot, but um, I don't know. I think it's a possibility. Okay. Um. But either way, I'm pumped for this, and I, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it. I I I think Kakami's winning, but maybe maybe Dylan series, right? Maybe only one of the two are winning. So, I I will say this: uh, the strong, actually, the strong title and the deathmatch title. I think uh, they both changed hands uh, every time in the past. So this is the third time they've run Sumo Hall, and uh, the titles have changed oh, right. hands uh, on each of the the previous matches. So interesting. Yeah. The deathmatch one I could see not that bre- that streak breaking, but we'll get to that in a second. Right? Um, yeah, I agree. The, the semi-main event, the BJW Tag Team Title Match, uh, Daisuke Sekimoto and Yuji Kobayashi taking on Abdullah Kobayashi and Yuji Ito. So you got a pair of deathmatch wrestlers. Deathmatch. They're both death- considered veterans, right? You consider them both mm-hmm. veterans. Yes. So challenging. It's basically the two pillars of the strong division against the two pillars of the deathmatch division, is how I understand it. Mm-hmm. So that's what makes this kind of like a big deal. And um, it's it's a straight-up match, not a death match. So you think that would play into um, strong BJ's hands. I I don't know how this match is going to go because I almost feel like them retaining would be too predictable. But it would look weird to me if they lose a straight-up match. But, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm... I'm intrigued by this one to see what what ends up how it plays out i'm not sure it's going to be a great match but i'm very intrigued by it yeah i i mean this is this is something so any, if anyone listens to burning spirits or kind of knows what my tastes are in wrestling this is a match that's like tailor-made for me uh i i love just weird matches that uh don't necessarily make a lot of sense um th- this is one that i mean really this does make sense in the in the sense of these are the four pillars of the promotion. It's the strong division versus the deathmatch division. And like you said, uh, can there's a lot of intrigue here in terms of can the deathmatch guys, you know, they're out to prove that they can still wrestle uh, with the strong guys. So, uh, I mean, from a pure match perspective, uh, this you know may not be what a lot of people are looking for, but uh, I think as a spectacle. And just as a weird curiosity, I mean, this is something that I'm really, really looking forward to. Uh, and I'm going to predict that, um, you know, Strong BJ's run this time as tag champions hasn't really felt like um, a serious run. You know, it, it hasn't been, uh, there hasn't been a lot of defenses. Uh, I've kind of forgotten that they're the tag champions. So I, I'm expecting them to lose uh, the titles and to uh, have Ido and Kobayashi, you know, as they're kind of taking a step back from the division, maybe um, as the the top of the division. 
uh, take over the tag titles, maybe do some deathmatch uh, tag titles. So I know I uh, I think Dylan is not uh, a big fan of this one. You know what? I got to tell you, I didn't think I would be the high man on this, but I might be. I think this is going to be a good match. I think uh, Kobayashi and Ido, I almost called them Okabayashi, are going to deliver in this spot, first of all, because it's the semi-main the semi event of Simo Hall. I think they can wrestle when they need to. Mm-hmm. So when they're in a spot like this and they're against guys like uh, Sekimoto and Okabayashi, I, I think they can deliver. Um, how good it will be compared to previous years, I, uh, previous years, I don't know. Uh, but I, I don't think it'll be anything less than very good because of the spot it's in and because of uh, Sekimoto and Okabayashi. And these two, they're smart workers. They're veterans. They're, they've been around forever. They know that they have to step up and they really have to try to, to deliver. And I think they will. Hmm, interesting. Wow. I, didn't, I didn't think you were into that match at all. So, yeah, I, I wasn't originally because it, it caught me off guard. I wasn't expecting it. I was expecting, you know, more of a straight tag team match between uh, Sekimoto Kabayashi and two guys in in that division. Uh, but once I thought about it, it's like, yeah, it makes sense, and it's in a big spot. People are going to care about it. The, the crowd's going to be molten hot. I think right? so too. So, They're yeah, be super into it. Yeah. I like it. It's it's going to be fine. I think this should have been the main event. I understand why it's not, but I think this would have been a better main event than either of the singles title matches. Wow. Okay. Wow. <laughs> so so Dylan. Okay. So uh, I I do know. I remember that you were you were pretty down on this card uh, initially. Have you kind of have you kind of changed that a little bit as you thought about it more? Yeah, because like I said, it, it wasn't what I was expecting. The okay. card as a whole, I was expecting uh, Suzuki versus, I don't know. So I, don't, I really don't know who they could have put him against, but I wasn't expecting Kawakami, and I wasn't expecting, you know, uh, Masaya Takahashi versus Takayuki Ueki as the main event. So it caught me off guard, and I wasn't expecting this tag title match. So it caught me off guard, but once I did think about it, it's like, eh, it doesn't bother me as much. There are some matches I'm looking forward to. Uh, the junior title match, the six-man, and uh, this tag title match. The other two matches, and eh, whatever, they're going to be there. They're going to, they'll be fine. Uh, but it, it, the card doesn't bother me. Okay, oh, cool. so transitioning then right to the you already just said what the, the main event is: the death match, heavyweight title match, um, Masaya Takahashi versus Takayuki Ueki. Do we know, do we know what type of death match is this yet? Is it is it like concrete block or something? Um, you know, it doesn't say uh, in the match list. Like everything, like they just yeah. do a bunch of shit. I don't know if okay. there's a specific, you know, because they, they they can't have uh, light tubes in sumo hall. Yeah, so that I do be, know. I, I'm imagining it'll be a lot of thumbtacks and a lot of boards and barbed wire and stuff. So, 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 Drew, you're the deathmatch guy here. You should take away on this one. What What are you looking forward to here? Okay, well, so. Uh, if you've seen any of their singles matches in the past, uh, the, these two really go all out when they wrestle each other. Um, so I'm expecting them to both, uh, I mean, really <laughs> kill each other. Uh, Uyeki is a guy who's actually a very good mat wrestler. Uh, if you've seen him on like any of the, um, what were they called, the D-Rise shows from last year that they were doing uh, with All Japan. I mean, he would have matches where he would just grapple, and uh, he's, you know, he's he's a good mat wrestler but uh, you know this is going to be they're in the biggest match on the biggest show uh, of the company's 
that year. So these are both young guys who are both hungry. Um, you have Takahashi, who's the new champion. Uh, I'm really expecting a lot out of this match. Like I said, I, I think a lot of thumbtacks. I don't know if we're going to see some syringes, uh, concrete blocks, barbed wire boards, nail boards. I mean, I, I think probably it's just going to be a really wild spectacle. Um, and again, this is this is Big Japan trying to establish uh, new young guys uh, at the top of the division, and I think they could really impress a lot of people uh, if you're, or really gross a lot of people out if you're, <laughs> if you're squeamish about that stuff. So, yeah. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it. I watched the I watched the main event of last year's, um, mm-hmm. and it was you know I, I I think it was well one of our one of the guests next year yeah, or next week. Called she she called it like a a baby death match so you know it's not gonna be like the light tubes or anything like really gross so if you're like me and you're a little squeamish you might be able to get through this one even if you can't get through like some of the more crazy ones and plus in general wouldn't as a death match expert Drew would you you say Big Japan's probably not quite as gross as like Freedoms right yeah i'd say freedoms is a little kind of one step beyond uh, big japan i mean <laughs> freedoms gets you know pretty gnarly uh they have you know scissors uh, scissor boards involved right yeah so. I, I can't watch i cannot watch freedoms at all i can sometimes stomach the big japan death matches it depends on which which death match we're talking though um yeah. but yeah so to sort of wrap up the big japan section um you know if 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 you like I, the the strong division, I think anyone could watch that. I mean, I would highly recommend watching at least the strong matches on the Big Japan cards. I mean, I put that right at maybe a tier slightly below All Japan for the promotions we're talking about, but a promotion I also highly recommend watching. You know, if you if you tune in basically for like three or four matches on a show, I the, the weird the weirdest thing about the Big Japan strong division to me is like those six man tags of Kirkin are almost always good. Like they're yeah. never they're never bad. I never regret watching them. Like I always like look at it like oh another six man, but it almost always ends up being really fun. So yeah, that's one thing I can recommend for sure. Yeah, I mean I think New Japan has conditioned us to think that multi man tags are meaningless because all of theirs are. But uh, <laughs> I, I mean essentially in all these other promotions and Big Japan especially multi man tags, everyone kills themselves and you know just works really super hard. And I, I know Big Japan, a lot of people are turned off by the death matches, but um, the, you know Big Japan and DDT, who we'll talk about in a little bit. These are promotions where they have you know the things that turn people off, comedy or death matches or whatever. But they also have this really great straight wrestling, which which makes these promotions really easy to get into because it's such little time commitment. You know you you're only watching uh, three or four matches on a two hour card, so you know you're in and out in forty five minutes or something. Um, but I mean, if you like big stiff mean wrestling check out big japan for sure the strong bj division for sure yeah and then if, if you're willing to try the death matches i mean from what i understand it's a great division for people who like that stuff so mm-hmm. um do you have any final thoughts on big japan dylan i mean look if you like big lads wrestling as they call it right if you like guys like if you follow european wrestling if you like guys like walter uh it's a very similar style if you like chris hero even uh, very similar style, uh, just big dudes running into each other, uh, elbows, you know, cl- lariats, all that stuff, all that good stuff. It's all the matches are similar in that sense, but they're all different 
in at the same time. You understand what I mean? Like they're not. You don't watch a, a a strong BJ match and think, oh, I've seen this before. But yet they're doing a lot of the same things. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I can recommend. I I it gets my highest recommendation. The strong the strong BJ division deathmatch division. Uh, not really. If you if you like death matches, if you want to if you want to try something new, I guess and check it out. It's not it's not my thing. Uh, job articulating his points on it. Uh, and but yeah, Big Japan as a whole, it's it's a fun promotion, I would say. Yeah. So that that's Big Japan, everybody. And like I said, we're going to talk more about it next week um, for for the for the Ryugokutan recap slash me and Brennan declaring our love for Deku Suzuki together. Yeah, that will that will be uh, very fun. I'm um, oh, I, I, guess, I guess I just gave away one of the two guests, didn't I? Yeah. So one of the two guests oh, is, Brennan, <laughs> is Brennan Patrick from Burning Spirits. That was obvious anyway, though, because I said it was someone Drew would know very well that basically made one of two people. Right. Yeah. So. <laughs> I don't know anyone on the air. <laughs> but Brennan, oh, that was so not my guess. Uh, well, the other the other uh, one is, is going to be. Anyway, we'll get the other guest later. But um, next week, also Dylan will be writing a review of Yogokutan. Um, Burning Spears is covering it with a preview of their own this week and a review of their own next week. See, so much content for this show. Big Japan's biggest show of the year. A great time to get into the promotion, too. Um, that's on June 17th, coming up this week. Uh, coming up on Monday, actually. And you can see it. Um, it'll be on Mort's streaming channel. If you search for, um, I think it's the, 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 de- the Wrestling With Words, like, Puro feed or something. Puro stream. It'll be on that live if you're up at a weird hour on a Monday, if you're like me and you have to work, um, it'll be on the real hero drive within a day or two, probably. So, um, that's big Japan mm-hmm. moving on now to wrestle one. And we got like an hour left basically to cover, to cover like three promotions at least. So I'm going to try to go f- yeah. faster in wrestle one. Um, so it was founded July, 2013 by KG Mudo. We kind of went over how it was founded already. Um, this was the last of three all Japan mass exoduses. Um, the na- it's the same name that was used for a series of wrestling shows put on by All Japan um, with K1 and Pride in the early 2000s, but it's not really considered like you know the same thing. It's just Muto likes the name Russell One apparently. Um, they really struggled to catch on. Uh, they to this day they still struggle to catch on. They've been really unable to draw much in the way of crowd interest uh, for their first four years as a company. Um, in 2015 they had a big shakeup. That resulted in Senshiro Takagi coming on board as CEO while still continuing to run DDT. So he was the, he's the owner of DDT, and he was also CEO of Russell One. I always thought at the time that, that was going to lead to like a lot of cross-promotion between the two companies. It never really happened. I mean, it was like here and there, like a little, little bit, but really they kept them very separate. Um, so the, the one area Russell One has always excelled in has been their dojo. I mean, they, they have a lot of students they turn them out pretty quick. They put them in big, in bigger roles pretty quick. Um, as a result of this, they they have a spinoff project. Uh, they launched last September 2016 called Pro Wrestling Ace, which is, uh, stands for Academy Challenge Entertainment. So it's basically like their NXT, where they, they, it only features their young wrestlers exclusively. So if you want to see like a lot of young guys and, and girls too, because Hanakamura is a trainee. It's like a very high profile trainee with them. Um, they're one of the few mixed promotions, even though it's really only one match per curriculum, but they do have some female trainees. Um, so in 2016, though, a lot of wrestlers left the company's full-time talent. You know, a lot of guys. Um, 
Akira, Minoru Tanaka, Ryoto Hama, Tajiri, Nakano, Kazuma Sakamoto, and then finally the biggest one of all was Kai at the very end of the year. Um, Kai stepped away to become a freelancer. He had been a three-time Wrestle 1 champion, so he's he hasn't really appeared in the promotion much in 2017. And... There was another big shakeup in early 2017, which resulted in uh, Shinshiro Takagi no longer being the CEO. So he went to just be an advisor. I don't really think he has anything to do with them anymore. And the other biggest, the big, big thing is that Keiji Muto stepped down as president. Um, he is now just what's called a representative director. So now we have Kazayashi, yes, the same Kazayashi from WCW as president. And um, Suji Kondo is another big guy at the dojo, took over as executive vice president. And Keiji Muto actually has not appeared for Russell One since March 20th. So it really looks like he's not heavily involved there anymore at all. Uh, he's kind of focused on his pro wrestling masters promotion, his new like promotion of old timers. So that's Russell One history in brief. Um, I've really enjoyed them so far this year. I think they've made a big leap forward in quality. Um, on the Kirk and Hall shows, especially they're very easy watches. They're like two hours long each. And they're, um, they're, they, they, they just fly by and I enjoy a lot of the younger guys on their roster. So I, you know, I think they're very easy promotion to follow. Just basically you, you can just get away with just watching the Kirk and every month for two hours. And I recommend them, but what do you guys think of Russell one right now? And historically, I guess historically they were not very good. I will say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, historically, when I have tried to watch Wrestle One in the past, uh, it's it's just nothing is connected with me. It's it's just really been kind of uh, in one ear and out the other type of thing. I agree with you. This year, they've been having really watchable match, uh, really watchable Corrigan shows. I mean, the production quality is really good. Uh, I think you said Samurai TV does the production on that. So no, I mean, uh, Gayora. Oh, sorry, Gaora. Right, yeah. Um, so Gaora does a production, so it's it's a good-looking show. Uh, you know, I'm not a big star rating guy, but it really feels like every the the, the floor is you know, maybe three stars or something. Where you know maybe the ceiling isn't going to be super high, but you know you get a Joshi match in there uh, for a little bit of variety. You've always got um, you know the young guys on some tags underneath, and they have a lot of great young talent. And then you've got the title matches, you know, like the um, junior heavyweight, the tag team titles, and then the the Russell One title matches. On top of that, it's it's uh, if you're looking for something, you know, again, it's one of those things we talked about with Zero One. Like, why would you watch? Um, why would you watch Zero One? Why would you watch Russell One? I would say if you're just looking for basic. Um, accessible pro wrestling to watch just just something that's inoffensive and pretty good to good uh or even very good sometimes i would check out wrestle one they've got a new champion and we're you know we'll we'll talk about him but you know they've got a young champion and a lot of young guys um so if that's something you're into you know checking out young guys in japan uh like the next generation of guys then uh, i think that's something else too what about you dylan really quickly i put them even a a tier above zero one like oh, right definitely. Above yes. that. So like I, I think they're a, they're not a promotion you need to run out and follow for sure, but they're very easy to follow and it's such a short time commitment. I would recommend them to people where zero one is tough to follow and zero one to me is the ultimate, like I don't know why you really need to watch it. But Wrestle One, um if you have if you have the time, definitely check out their Kirk and every month, I think. Yeah, it's think? very it's very pleasant 
It's like pleasant to watch. Pleasant, yeah, pleasant's a great word. Yeah. What do you think, Dylan? Uh, Russell Russell One's problem is that they're very scatterbrained with what they want to do. It seems, and at the same time, they're also very unwilling to let go of their past. I mean, Manabu Soya is in a title match every month. He's in the in the picture, and I like Soya a lot. He's he's actually one of my favorite indie Japanese indie guys. I really I love Soya, but when you have such a talented roster of young guys, you can't have Soya in title matches every month. And uh, you can't have Mazada as the cruiserweight champion. You can't have him beating all these young guys repeatedly. And that's the biggest problem I have with Russell One. And they've been that way for a while. I mean, they they kept taking the title off Kai, kept giving it back to him, even when fans didn't give a single shit about him and didn't want him as champion. Uh, they kept giving it back to him until he, until he left uh, for All Japan. And yeah, but aside from that, I like the shows. I don't know if I like them as much as John, perhaps, but they're very good. Um, good to very good, I should say. The The world title matches, the Russell 1 title matches, I should say, are are good. I wouldn't say they're great. They're good. I like Ashino as champion enough. I think he he has a lot of potential to be one of the biggest stars in the company moving forward. I don't know if he's quite up to snuff yet, but he's getting there. Um, Koji Doi and Kumagaro, the tag champions. I think they're very good. I like them. They might be one of my favorite parts of the promotion at the moment. They're, yeah, they're uh, a great tag team. They're a great tag team. Right. And Masayuki Kono and Takanori Ito, those are, uh, they're feuding with Doi and Kumagaro at the moment. They're very good too. Kono, I, I like. I don't love him. But Ito, I mean, is tremendous. He's one of the best young guys in the world at the moment, I would say. One of the best rookies. Um, he's a guy everyone should be watching. And Aside from that, there's not a whole lot going on. The cruiserweight matches are usually decent, not great. They're decent, um, and that's really it's very generic. Like Drew said, it's a very basic promotion. There's nothing unique about it. Like there is, say, uh, uh, even All Japan or Noah or Big Japan, DDT, um, New Japan to an extent. Uh, New Japan, it's closest to New Japan than it is anything else, but it's not. It's still a very basic style. There's nothing too unique about it. But the shows are the shows are fun enough if you want to watch uh, some talented guys like Doi Kumagoro, uh, Ashino, guys like that. So we we talked a lot about Shutara Ashino on my last Burning Spirits um, appearance. If you want to check that out, because we probably don't have a lot of time to talk about him right now. But I I agree that he's a he's not quite there yet. But I think he has presence to him, and I think he's coming along as the Russell one champion. So he looks like a superstar. Yeah. I think they and need that, to, they should keep the belt on him and, and see where it goes. Yeah. And that, that makes for a very intriguing watch to see, to watch his progression every month. Yeah. yeah. And he's fun to watch. Uh, some of his matches suffer from excessive limb work perhaps, uh, but you know they're never they're Ooh. good. He's still Exce- young. Excessive you know? limb work. Whoa, I don't know. <laughs> you don't think so? No, I mean that. Yeah, I mean that's I mean, that's right up my alley. Is someone working the leg? Happy with the uh, leg work, I, I, I'd say. But you know, he's he does look like a star. He does have presence. He's charismatic, and he's all those things. I just think he needs to make some improvements in the ring. And I agree, they should they should uh, keep the title on him. So, so that's Shotaro Shino. Um, I agree too. Koji doing Kumagaro. They just won back the tag titles from uh, Kono and Ito uh, on June twenty fourth in Yokohama. 
Um, they, they're, they're a very fun young team. You know, you got Doi, who's like um, kind of like a more of a generic guy, but a very not. In a, I don't mean that in a bad way though. He's a good, he's a good rest, good young wrestler. And you got Kumagaro, who's like this big goofy partner, who's just like you know doing these like cannonballs. Like big R. Big R. Yeah, big, he's very similar to Big R. Yeah, very similar yeah. to Big R. Um, and then Ito, you like you, you know, that's a guy. Like he he has this weird like Japanese Kevin Owens look, but it really works mm-hmm. for him. Um, and like he throws these spin kicks, and he's just I, I don't know. He's he's fantastic. He's he's Kevin Owens and Masaki Mochizuki. If Kevin Owens and Masaki Mochizuki fucked, <laughs> he's, he was conceived by Kevin Owens and Masaki Mochizuki when when Owens was in Dragon Gate, whatever, 10 years ago. <laughs> He's a rapidly growing baby, apparently. But, um, yeah, Masada is the current Cruiser champion, unfortunately. Nothing really good to say about him. Uh, he, he 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 had some really surprisingly good matches in his last reign, but for whatever reason, I, I did not need to see him win the belt back again, and it's been really terrible this time. Yeah. Um, the the, the, the brand-new title is the Wrestle 1 Result title, which is a very weird name, but it's basically meant to be a belt for the young guys. Um, Koji Doi, he beat Hiroki Marasi in a tournament final to Juku Face on February 22nd, still the champion. And the last belts is the UWA World Trios titles, belts that have had a long and storied history in Japanese pro wrestling. Started out as lucha belts, ended up in Toriumon, Japan in the early 2000s. Uh, before that, they were, in, were they in like, the Universal or anything? Right? Weren't they in Universal? Yeah, uh, yeah, they were in Mitchell was... Pro for a long time. I remember too. I don't and, Univer- I don't... and Universal before that too. Yeah. I think. Yeah, because yeah, well, so. uh, do they come from Grand Hamada's UWA? I think. I think. That, yeah, you're right. Not not the Mexican one. So the Grand Hamada's UWA, then the Michinoku Pro, then to Toriumon Japan, um, then to like the the Ultimo Toriumon and Tori, you know, after the split, yeah, then they were DDT. Yeah, okay. they went to Mexico. Then they were in DDT for a while. You know, like the, the last DDT champion was like Disaster Box, if people remember that. That was like Toru Washi's unit in DDT. Yeah, with Hiroshima. Yeah. And then and then they come to Wrestle 1 of all promotions. Not a junior promotion at all. But yeah, so the UWA World Trios title has a long history. The current champions, uh, they, they just bounce around a lot in this promotion, are Manabu Soya, Nosawa Rangai, and Ganseki Tanaka. Tanaka, another really good young wrestler who's feuding with uh, Ido on and off. Um, so they won them back on June 18th. So yeah, the UWA, I, ha- I had to get into that for a second because it's so funny, the UWA World Trials <laughs> titles. Um, so really quickly, before we move on to Russell 1, uh, the, the, the Russell 1 Grand Prix is actually tomorrow, and I'll give you the the, the four first-round matches, which are Masuki Kono against Daiki Inaba, Shuji Kondo against Takanori Ito. That could be really, really good. Ooh. Yeah, um, Manabu Soya against Kumagoro. Again, I'm, I'm actually really look, look, looking forward to that one. And Koji Joy against Jiro Ikman Kushiro. Um, that should be awesome as well. That, that should be that. This is a really good card. It's a one night tournament, so you get the semis and the and the final on the same night at Kurikan. Uh The winner will challenge uh, Ashino at the the upcoming big show in Yokohama. Um, any prediction on who wins this? The tournament. I'm saying Jiro. Uh, yeah, Jiro. Awesome, Dylan. Yeah, <laughs> Jiro. I I'm gonna go. I'm actually gonna go with Koji. With uh, I don't know. They just did that match. I'm gonna go with Inaba. I think he he hasn't. 
He was my second pick. Yeah, he hasn't been in the title scene in a while now, ever since he, he won the belt at last year's big show from Kai and then kind of dropped off after after he lost it, I think, to Kono, right? He lost it to Kono. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm going to I'm gonna say Inaba is going to win this, kind of come out of nowhere and win it, and then get to, to headline against Ashino, which I think could be a really awesome match. So, uh, you know what I just noticed, though? Kondo is wrestling Ido, right? Yeah. And then – so whoever wins that match faces – Either Kono or Inaba, which means either Soya or Kumagoro face Jiro or Doi. So I think they're going to do Kondo versus Jiro again. Yeah, maybe. Finals. That's very Ooh. possible. And I liked that match too. The one I don't like. <laughs> oh, I don't. I haven't liked the matches that much. The no. first one, the first one, I liked more than the second one, to be honest. But all right, so that's felt. I mean, I like Kondo, but I love Kondo actually. He's one of my favorite wrestlers ever, really. But uh, mm-hmm. he, that doesn't do much. I'd rather have Inaba versus Jiro. Yeah, so we'll see. Um, we got to move on, though, to the next promotion, which is DDT, Dramatic Dream Team, founded in 1997 by Shinjiro Takagi, um, he, who at the time was he, he was a wrestler for the minor indie promotion IWA Kakudu Shijuku. Um, but he, he, so he, he realized that promotion was not going anywhere. He left and founded his own promotion, and based almost entirely around his love of the WWF at the time, uh, he himself basically being like a Steve Austin clone. It helped him create this extremely unique promotion that's basically a parody of American wrestling combined with like, they, they have a lot of Lucha Rezu influence, you know, the, the the combination like Lucha and Puro kind of style, like Michinoku Pro or, or Toriumon. But then they also have a lot of comedy. Um, so that's basically how you could describe DDT. Um, they... They have an incredible amount of comedy, and I think the comedy is really funny. But the promotion still has housed some of the most talented wrestlers in the world. Like you have Harashima, you have Kota Ibushi. Um, you know, they got their start here. Kenny Omega got his Japanese start here and wrestled here for years and years and years. Shuji Ishikawa got his start here and later in Union Pro before coming back, and he still wrestles here to this day. So just a lot of really talented wrestlers who um, started here. Some of them are still there, like. Arashima, and, he, and Ibushi, he still makes appearances every now and then. Um, so it's, you know, and then obviously you've got the, the, the current crop of young guys like Konsuke Takashida and Tetsuya Endo that are uh, a very high level. So you've got great young wrestlers. You have great comedy, rest, comedy if you're into the comedy style. And, uh, you know, full disclosure, this is my favorite promotion in the world and has been for the past year plus. So I love DDT, would recommend to anybody. Um, and that's not even going into their their spinoff, which we'll discuss a little bit too. But DDT itself, outstanding wrestling promotion. Love, love, I really love them. What do you What do you guys think about DDT? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with you, John. DDT uh, is my favorite promotion of the um, past few years, actually. I mean, I I really really love this promotion a lot. Um, again, it's one where if you know, let's say you don't like the comedy. Uh, that's fine. That means you're 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 in and out uh, in you know an hour watching shows. But uh, the, you know they have this incredible mix of uh, it's so it's basically Japanese version of sports entertainment. Um, you know what? So whatever that means. I mean, you know they've got their famous matches where they have them. You know this year they had of course the empty Tokyo Dome match between Shinshiro Takagi and Minoru Suzuki, which was incredible. How incredible! And, yes. 
they they have you know um, matches at campsites, playgrounds, construction sites. I mean, just this very very <coughs> absurdist comedy um, uh, mixed with uh, very very high level. Uh, great storytelling, great action, pro wrestling. Um, I mean, it, it's a promotion where, and, you know, again, say what you will about the comedy. It's not for everyone, but I will say this, that everything makes sense within the DDT universe. And, you know, a comedy match uh, has just as much internal psychology as, uh, you know, whatever big main event title match you can find. Um, I mean, they've got so much young talent. You know, there, there's tons of young talent right now in Japan. I, I would personally put DDTs up against anyone. I, I think they've got the best group of young talent uh, in Japan. They're current. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the current champion, um, Kanosuke Takashita, but, uh, you know, he's the ace of the promotion. He's being set up to lead the company into the future. He is 22 years old and is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, uh, he really could be uh, something very, very, very special. Um, and that's not even including all the rest of the guys they have. Endo, they've got, uh, you know, Haiguchi, they've got uh, Shijihiro Irie, just tons and tons and tons of depth uh, in the promotion. And it's something that's very, very cool. Like I said, tons of great storytelling, um, intricate callbacks, emotional investment. I mean, it, it's a promotion that really rewards you for watching. And I, I just, I love everything they do. Yeah, so I'm glad Drew and I are here on the same wavelength. The the <laughs> DDT fans of the universe here. What do you yeah. what do you think well, of DDT, Dylan? Uh well you guys know what I think, and anyone who knows <laughs> knows me, follows me, reads any of my stuff, they know what I think of DDT too. But in short, it's I don't like it as much as others. I like the big matches. In fact, I think I like the big non comedy matches more than even big DDT fans. I love guys like Hiroshima. I love Endo, Takashita, um, when Ibushi was there, of course, Omega, of course. Uh, I love all those guys, Ishikawa. And my problem with DDT is the comedy, but I understand why they do it. I understand people like it. I will never tell people they, they shouldn't like it. Um, it's just, it's not for me. Uh, some of it bothers me. Some of it doesn't bother me. I, I can watch I can watch things like, uh, or people like Harada, uh, Guys like Dino, I have trouble watching. I'm not going to get into why. Um, but I, no, I'm not a homophobe, in case you were wondering. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I just I have a problem with Dino, basically. And I have a problem with uh, them constantly using Joey Ryan as well. I don't, I'm not a fan of the Joey Ryan, guys. Um, Might have been my least favorite match of the year. And, uh, but aside from that, Takashita... Uh, Endo, Hiroshima, guys like that, like I said, love them. Uh, I love their big shows, usually. I usually like them a lot. Uh, Peter Pan is always good. Judgment, their show, their uh, their, fruit, their first Sumo Hall of the show of the year. I'm really botching this. Uh, that show is usually good. Peter Pan's usually good. Uh, they have an Osaka show called Osaka Octopus at the end of the year every year, and uh, that's usually good. So I like the big shows. I like a lot of the top guys. Love the main events. Um, but I just it's the mid cards and the undercards that I just I can't get into. But I under, again I understand why people like them. Yeah. Um I, I, I love them and I'm pretty much everything Drew said. But I get I get that people the comedy's not for everybody. I just 
I, I love the comedy so much. I mean, in the last quirk, and it was so funny, especially that three-on-one match with uh, oh, Takagi. Yeah. yeah, against Ken Oka and Sasadango. And uh, God, who was their partner? Hirata? No, it wasn't Hirata. Who the fuck it was, was their partner? It was, uh, I think it was. Oh, it was Hirata. No, wait, was it? No, no, no. Hira, uh, he's he's got a um, he's got a, a match coming up this year, uh, a handicap match coming up this uh oh, this week. Okay. Yeah, but it it was uh shoot. Come on now, John is big, big DDT fans. I what know. are we doing here? I know. Wasn't Erotic Collection AT? No, it wasn't Erotic Collection AT. No, it was, it was Kenoka. It was Sasadango Machine, and come on, it was awesome with everyone. Um. I know. I just Every, everyone, of... everyone pinning. I, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> everyone flipping off uh, Takagi. Uh, I know. Before I just can't think of who the fuck. It was. I know. Come on. I, can't, I just can't think of who the fuck it was. Was it Awashi? Was it Awashi? It, it wasn't. No, Awashi ran and made, came out. Awashi ran and made the save. Yeah. Yeah, I made the pin with the in the referee outfit. But um, I tune out the comedy. I, I so I couldn't. I tell just you. really can't remember who the fuck their partner was. This is I embarrassing. <laughs> It sure is. Yeah, we we talk about like how big a DDT fans we are, and 